And that will do it from the Tony Kilimanjaro show here for today, folks, with our last segment being how to fix Star Wars that you just heard. A lot of good ideas from the crew, a lot of good stuff from the fanfic and other things from the comics as well. Put all that in your pipe and smoke at Disney. Coming up next, Steve, Toby, the podcast called We Hope Gwen is Listening. They come back to talk to Gwen about the best films of 2019. Coming up here, right after the bumper. <laughs> when you are. Go ahead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to I Hope Gwyneth is Listening. We hope Gwyneth is listening. All right. Toby's here. Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> My co-host, who's been with me since episode one, Toby. Um, Just Toby and Steve on the ones and twos today. Yeah, no, we got this. I promise. <laughs> or the O's and ones, if you want to be more accurate, because uh, this, this is digital, not, yes. not analog. Bummer, right? Yeah. Uh, Gwyneth, darling, Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. Yeah, it's been a while since it's, we've... It has been. ...converged and talked to Gwyneth. And there are a couple of things I want to get off, uh, a couple of uh, house cleaning things I want to get off. Yeah, 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 go ahead. That. I sent this to you, but there is a Netflix mini-doc about... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's it called? The Goop? Um, oh, I, I didn't even see the title. I was so distracted by the poster. Yeah, the poster is basically... It's Gwyneth Paltrow in the middle of this poster, and the poster looks like a vagina. And I, her her head is the clitoris. Yes, like basically. if you're looking at it from that regard, which you and, know, and this isn't being like frivolous. This isn't being like cute or like oh, we're being ironic with this whole kind of yeah. Oh, it about. kind of vaguely high schoolish looks the like the Goop it. Lab. It's the Goop Lab. Um, okay, no, it looks like again. I'm looking at the picture right now, um, and it says reach new depths. So <laughs> yeah, no, Walter knows what she, she yeah. knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, you you know where your bread is buttered, right? Um, so when you see the trailer, it's about all the different things that Goop is doing. There's like an exorcism involved. There's different. Did you watch this trailer? No. Oh, okay, yeah. There's an exorcism involved. There's different things like massages and all the different things that uh, Goop kind of um, profits in per se. So there's that, and I saw this this morning on Twitter. Apparently, there's a Goop cruise this year. How many complimentary jade eggs do you get upon boarding? You'll find out because I want to do it. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Next episode, we are going to be recording live from the Goop Cruise. Well, we got to find out what it is. Oh, um, yeah, I guess that's true. Right, but no, I, 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 I want to look into it. I was like, I kind of want to do the Goop Cruise. <laughs> no, because like, I don't, I, I have no, I've never had a desire to do a cruise. They sound miserable. Here. But if it's a goop cruise... Except maybe, maybe food. I want to try out the food on the cruise. I mean, I guess, but you could do that in, like, New Orleans. Yeah, that's true. Like, probably better. Well, I mean... Without being confined to a... Yeah. In the middle that of also the feeds, ocean. That also feeds into my, my secret desire of trying to... Try, if I, I wish I was on the Titanic so I could see if I could survive. <laughs> that, that's always been... That's always been one of my, like... As a kid, I was like, can I... Every time I watch Titanic... I wish Titanic would be, like, once a week now because it's, like, cable all the time. Right, of course. But I'm like... 
can I survive the Titanic? I want to give it a shot. I've always thought it was... Man, see, so you and I had completely different, like, fantasies. Because <laughs> <laughs> that... The ocean is scary. I just want to be like, how long can I last on a Titanic before mm. I'm, like, float out a door? Well, because my my thought process is... And I swear we will get to twenty the 2010s in a second. This is important, Gwyneth. Right, right. My thought process is I know that I would be in, like, the third-class cabins down oh, at the too. very I'm bottom. I'm black. Of course I would be. Uh, 1912, yeah, you would yeah. be. Yeah. So, very short amount of time. Unless I took my money I have now with me to 1912. Twelve dollars, then oh, I might be second okay, class. Okay. Still, though, whatever. No, yeah, I, yeah. I like I just because I remember um, it was Sasha Stone. She mentioned during the award season for two thousand thirteen. So that's Gravity, Twelve Years a Slave, mm. Wall Street, what have you. And she was like, if you Gravity's basically like if you took Titanic and started it, started the movie, and when it hit the iceberg, that's what Gravity is. Yeah, and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and it's like I love I love watching the sinking scene. I mean, it's it's still remarkable now. It is so completely. It's just like, yeah, I would, I would just like be like, yeah, how long can I how long can I last on this broken shit that's about to sink in like <laughs> ten minutes um, in the middle of the North Atlantic? <laughs> yeah, no, because that's my thing. Because I when I was a, a wee tot. I went to this the the traveling Titanic exhibit and they had oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this wall of ice and they're like, hey, so this is how cold the water was. Yeah, I, I remember all this stuff when I was in middle school too. It's like the, the, like yeah, the temperature of the water, how like the the steel, like how how cold the water had to be for the steel to buckle. Like I knew all that. I forget now, but yeah, yeah. So just that alone, like I'm I'm a we're from Michigan and you know. 30 degrees outside, I have to bundle up with, like, 17 layers because I get cold so easy. I, I would just I, give I, up. I don't. I know. That's... Uh, no one else here does. <laughs> We're from Michigan. I was gonna say, like... I'm the problem. I was gonna say, I'm just, just, just gonna hoodie. I just didn't evolve very well. Um... Such a thought's Titanic. No, uh... <laughs> no, was, yeah, I saw, I saw the miniseries and I was just like, okay, yeah, I gotta... We gotta check this out. I'm so. very excited to now watch this. I didn't even know it had a trailer. I thought it. I thought the poster was more than enough. Oh no, no, <laughs> no. One, it is. Mm. No, but there's definitely a trailer. And and God, there's a quote that Gwyneth Paltrow says in there that's actually really kind of apropos to everything she does. I don't know off the top of my head, but I remember seeing this trailer. And I'm just like, she's she's on brand. She really she, is. If on there's brand. one thing that you can say about Gwyneth, it's she's consistent. Yeah, she's very consistent. and She knows. She knows how to fight emotional vampires. Yeah. There's also another thing. Uh, Wesley Morris from the New York Times, he, um, uh, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning? I think. Okay. Pulitzer Prize winning uh, film critic, he, when he was at the Boston Globe, but he wrote a piece about, like, basically, um, paraphrasing here, but he basically wrote a piece about how he misses Gwyneth Paltrow as, like, an actor. Mm. And I was, and I remember, um, just hearing about it, and I was like, yeah, I, I, and I know this whole post is kind of more, you know tongue-in-cheek not to you Gwen of course but well of course not Gwen um, nothing but love for her no of course but uh, but um I remember reading that I was like yeah that's true it's like I kind of feel that way too or it's just like I miss her and I miss like I wish Angelina Jolie acted more um yeah it'd be cool if Gwen Paltrow acted more because it's like you know when you kind of think of her good stuff and I text this to you as well I think when you look think of her good stuff you think of like two lovers you think of seven you think of mm-hmm. um Emma I mean uh Shakespeare in Love which she won the Oscar for of course mm. uh Towns Mr. Ripley Royal Tenenbaums. It's like, um, no, she's a good actor. She is, and and the the frustrating thing I think is that the the this the franchise that made her like so exhausted with acting, yeah. was the MCU, which I get it, but she's also impossibly charming 
and magnetic yeah. in the first Iron Man movie. Oh yeah, yeah. In yeah. particular, I, she you know everyone else is kind of like phoning it in as it goes on, which I get it. Mm-hmm. But in the first movie, the chemistry with her and RDJ is just like, oh, this is like this is really f- like refreshing and and good. Um, yeah. And then it kept going, and it's like, oh. Yeah, it no, kept going I, so long. She she didn't she doesn't remember what she movie she was in, which is my favorite part. Yeah, uh, uh, Gwyneth never change. <laughs> You've got more important. Th- it all blends together for Gwyneth Paltrow. Exactly. She's got a goop empire. Exactly. Um, so I guess any itinerary today we got. Um, it's already by the time you hear this. Yeah, it's January tenth. By the time you hear this, Oscar nominations are going to be out. Um, oh bummer. Yeah, we're not going to be able to. I mean, we can we can make you know, based on history, we can make pretty sure. good assumptions on who's going to be nominated for what. But um, yeah, but it's time to hear this. Like, it's already a couple weeks into two thousand. Yeah, Golden Globes were just a couple nights ago. Yeah, Golden Globes a couple nights ago. Uh, so we're gonna talk about two thousand nineteen, and the films of two thousand nineteen, also like the films of the decade as well. So two thousand ten, two thousand nineteen, the two thousand tens. Yeah. Um. So I guess to start with the two thousand nineteen. Um, I actually, just before I got here, I actually posted my, I actually shared my top 10 list around social media already. Oh, really? Um, I didn't catch that. Top 16, actually, but 10 and then six others, and then some honorable mentions in there. Color outside of those lines, Toby. Uh, I like to think I can't color outside of lines because I don't see lines. Well, that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Damn, okay. So, um, did you want, like, do you want to start with like some of the film, I mean... I think the last one we saw, actually, I took you to go see Parasite and Uncut Gems. Yes, fantastic. And I think before that, we saw Hustlers together in the Lighthouse. So mm-hmm. we haven't seen that many films together, unfortunately, this year, as opposed to past couple years. Yeah. But, and I, this is interesting because because of that, we're almost kind of approaching pop culture film at two different forks in the road. Completely, where yeah. I remember... You're, you're mentioning, like, what's this Parasite movie? I heard so much about it. And I was like, I've heard about Parasite for two years. How are you just finding about it now? Right. So it's like, <laughs> it's it's interesting kind of coming together at that point of view. Um, so do you want to talk, so I guess I'll let you lead. Do you want to, or some of the mid films from 2019 that really kind of, uh, yeah, you caught into that you really liked. Yeah. So um, I kind of go into my list, I guess. Well, I mean, again, you know, I... If if I didn't see it with somebody, I probably didn't see it. Um, and yeah, I just I haven't had the time, I guess, to to catch movies in theaters this year. But I mean, obviously the 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 ones that stick out to me in particular, and it's not just because we saw them most recently, but Uncut Gems and Parasite were both knockout movies um, in in so many different regards, especially seeing them back to back how they're both weirdly similar films, not in terms of tone or characters, but in terms of uh, society's view on money, society's view on class, um, how money shapes the lives of people who, you know, they they don't necessarily want to be thrown into this weird, you know, capitalistic world, but they kind of have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, They were both, you know, Uncut Gems is a feature-length panic attack, and Parasite is more of a slow burn, suspenseful, uh, ever growing movie. So they're completely different in yeah. terms of presentation, but like weirdly similar. They both have rocks 
Yeah, that really characters important. are obsessed yeah. with that, yeah. that are really, like, impor- really important. Uh, rocks, drones, stems. Yeah, uh, earthly objects of that nature. I want to actually add this, and this is this might be way uh, out of the box, but I was just thinking as you're talking, like the the similarities between the two of them that I've seen or just thought of is like almost the impossibility of how to change your nature. And what I mean oh. by that is with like with Howard, um, Howard Ratner, Adam Sandler mm. in Uncut Gems, like. He's making all these bets, keeping everything at once. He's doing the parlay bets. Like, you scrap that bet. I want to do this bet. Um, he's getting divorced. He's he's running around the diamond just doing everything. He got people. He's got collectors chasing him. He's, he's got, doing so many things. He's doing so many things. He's got Kevin Garnett's ring. He's got the, he's got the opal, whatever. Oh, I, I, um, uh, <laughs> um, it's exhausting. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I think uh, I know. I know you're exhausted. I was almost figuring, but like, yeah, man, let's keep going. Do another bet. No, nah, I got crazy. so stressed. <laughs> like my leg did not stop shaking that whole movie. But Howard can't stop looking for the next big thing. Yeah. Even when it's against everything that is best for him. Um, like, even towards when he's talking to KG, mm. he's talking to Kevin Garnett, who's fantastic in this movie, by the way. Um, yeah, completely. If, if, Everyone's really... No, everyone's amazing in this movie. If listen, if the if the awards season, quote unquote, isn't already been solidified because we already had the Bath nominations by now, we had SAG already, what have you, what have yeah. you, and again, Oscars is going to come out soon after. Um, again, by the time you hear this, you already know the Oscar nominations. I think we're going to make case. He's really good in this movie. He's really good. He's very. He's, he's, and he's, he's actually a supporting actor, not just like well, Anthony Hopkins. Well, he's another. He's one of the two posts. We guess we we'll put him in. Uh, right. Yeah. He's actor. not like a glorified cameo. No, he's like, like no, nah, man. He's a co-lead. Like, don't, come on. Yeah. He's a he's a driving force in the narrative. Right. Right. He's yeah. Really good at. Yeah. It. But um, no. But Garnett's amazing in this. And like when when Garnett finally brings the opal back and he gets in the ring and he's like, and Garnett's like, what are you doing, man? Like you got you got twists and turns. You're doing all these things at the auction. Yeah, and yeah. then Howard's just like rambling about like um the you know look at the odds like this is how i win yeah like, yeah and he's just talking himself up like listen i know i i got this money that you paid for mm. i gotta give it to arno and the guys who are trying to literally kill me mm. spoilers they kill him um oh yeah <laughs> he takes the bet and he gives it to his girlfriend to go bet more and it's just like can't you just stop? Can't you just realize, like, you won already? But it's just like, but it's like, it's always, and, you know, when you're, again, it's generated like I am. It's like, that's <laughs> always, not to that degree, of course. But, like, that's I always. Hope not, Toby. <laughs> Please don't bring, like, hitmen to my house. <laughs> Listen, NFL playoffs are this weekend. No, but uh, I got a parlay with the uh, Titans. No, but uh, I'm not bitting the Titans on the Ravens. The Ravens are going to win that. Uh, game. Next um, episode is going to be a solo venture. One of me. <laughs> Just kind of trying to drag this out. No, no, no. It'll be, it'll be, it'll, like I'll call in, but I'll be in the truck. I'll be in like a back of a truck because I didn't <laughs> feel like booking at time. Because I don't know the the Vikings beat the Niners somehow. But um, Howard's always looking for that next thing, even if it's against his own better judgment across the board. That's kind of why I love the ending so much. He died doing what he lived, yeah. loving doing. It's just like he had the ultimate high. What else is there for him after that? That's very true. Because it sucks that the it sucks that the gangster killed him. Was like, hey man, maybe just cool your jets. Like, I know he locked you in the in the doorway yeah. for like an entire basketball game, but you're gonna get the money. Like, yeah, yeah, but like, have some chill, goddamn it. I, I remember like just the 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 look that that like bodyguard was giving him the whole time. I'm like, yeah, oh, this is this is a 
like that's a look of if he dies, he dies from Rocky Four. Oh, yeah. Like that is a death glare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, no, it, and and I remember like as as everything's kind of like ramping up and the game's going on and the girlfriend calls and just goes, Did we just win? And like everything's falling into place for yeah. Adam Sandler for the first time yeah. in this entire movie. I'm like my heart is just like pounding and also getting ready to relax because I know that he's go he's about to die. Yeah. There's no way this is going to end well for him. And so and he gets shot in the cheek. Oh fuck. And it's oh, like what a and, movie. and and Parasite The ending of that is just so remarkable because it talks about the younger... It talks about the son who's like... Um, again, if you see, I'm not going to get onto it now, but when you if you watch Parasite, you'll see how kind of crazy it gets. I mean, as mm-hmm. a Bong Joon-ho movie is bound to do. Absolutely. But when you... Um, when, when we get to the ending, it's the son you know, writing to his dad after he gets the Morse code note when he's living in the basement of the house they're in. He, he, he references like, I'm going to make enough money so I can buy that house. It'll be our mm. house now. And then it shows, like, And then this... all you have to do is just walk upstairs. Yeah, and it shows it. Almost like this, like, uh, like this flash forward. Where it's right, like, yeah, here yeah. I am, I'm, I'm wearing a suit, I'm successful, right. I'm purchasing this I kind of made, I, I, I cashed in on the promise I made in the beginning of the movie. It was like, mm. like this degree may be fake, but I'm actually going to do all these things I said. Right. Remember, kind of, uh, real digression, that, that reminds me of, like, Neil Gaiman at, um... At a, a graduation ceremony, he was talking about a college. At a college, he was like, "I'm paraphrasing badly here, but he was like, uh, when I first started, I was a writer. I would take my resume and I would lie on it and say like, I wrote for GQ, I wrote for this, I wrote for that. And he's like, once you do that, then your job is to actually make sure you do those things <laughs> Which, to make it real. That's a good fire under your ass, though. That's it is honestly, no, it is honestly because like once once the boss looks like, did you really write for Andy Ferris? Like, well, yes, yes, I did. I, I did, and I will let you. I will give you that that article. In two months, right. when I can dig it up, <laughs> what's, obviously. What's the, what's the uh, line editor calls yeah, me back? Yeah, no, yeah. No, but um, um, so we see, so we see like that flash forward you said, and then I told you at the end after we saw the movie. Um, this is my second time watching it. This is the first time watching it. Hmm. If this is an American, well, I will mention this. Like HBO, this just came out yesterday. But again, by the time you're hearing this, oh, I heard this. Yeah, yeah. yeah HBO has commissioned a Parasite mini series mm-hmm. done by Adam McKay, and it's just like. Oh god damn it! Why <laughs> didn't we learn our lesson from the American remake of Old Boy? We never learn. We never learn lessons. That's that's just how this goes, huh? And it's just like because I thought it was going to be like I thought it was um, uh, the the director coming, like HBO reaching out to him and going, continue this this world and this story. Yeah, in it's a like, miniseries. It's like not only that. All right, so either one do that because I don't know. If, I don't know if Bong Joon Ho kind of wants to do like a remake of his own shit. No, I don't think just, so either. If, if, if that do that or one, it's just like just get Bong Joon Ho to make anything on HBO. But yeah, that's the lesson you learn. He's not, right there. Not here's a good movie. Let's yeah, get someone a, to remake it. Yeah, here's a guy who did Vice to do your a remix of your movie. Which, yeah. I mean, he's still Bong Joon Ho's going to be involved, but it's just like. Just hire Bong Joon-ho to make a series to, for to you. To make something. Right. Yeah, HBO Max coming out soon. Just do that. Like, I yeah. don't... It's weird. Um, we do never learn our lesson. No. Gwyneth, reach out to all your friends and tell them to not do that anymore. You're, like, make... You know... You presented the Golden Globes. You got you got juice. Yeah, you're, you, you're, you're Hollywood royalty. You can you, do this. You are Hollywood royalty. So just, just you know... But, olive branch for but us. But back to Parasite, where it's just like... 
if this was the Ameri- if, if if an American made this story, mm-hmm. that's how the movie would have ended. And it would the dad came out of the dad came out of the basement, they hug. Dad said, like, oh, he made it, cool. Because that's kind of what Americans kind of lied about themselves about. Like, we all think we're going to be millionaires eventually, even though that's not how America works. We all think it's, we're going to be in the one well, top it's, percent. It's the lie that is perpetuated by, like, our media. Yeah. Which is, if not you... Not our media, it, but our news, yeah, our culture, our, our social media, yeah, like just our everything. pop culture. Just everything in this country for, since it was founded. That, that's kind of if you, been... If you pull yourself up from your bootstraps yeah. and just work really hard... That's kind of like the underlying lie of the American dream. Yeah, and, um, it's, and and I think like we're slowly realizing like, oh, that's bullshit. Right. <laughs> we because I've been working really hard and I'm still like living in a one bedroom apartment. I feel like a, I feel like a mainstream, aka white people, are kind of realizing that. I feel like a minority is like, nah, that's oh well, no, yeah, that's that's <laughs> right, yeah, that's, like, that's nah, valid. Like, listen, when we get to Ellis Island, we kind of get the pamphlet like, nah, that's listen, you thought this street paid with gold? Yeah, yeah, gotta yeah. find real gold. But <laughs> um, but what Bon Jovi does is amazing because he shows that. A dream, yeah, and then like it comes back like to the sun. Yeah. yeah, it comes back to the sun, writing the letter again, and he's like, "Like, oh no, that kid's never going to make that money." And he's, he's in, never like, going to buy the, that house. The remnants of his flooded house with bars on the windows, yeah. and they there's still a family with really nothing. That the the, his mom at that point. Yeah, his his dad is stuck in the basement. Yeah, uh, his sister's, sister's dead. dead. Who honestly, get the best performance of the year in my book. Like, I love her so she much. She's fantastic. Uh, best character in the movie. There's this photo shoot I saw. Recently, yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. I think I want to say I want to. Uh, I'm not going to quote it because I forget which publication did it. But she's all glammed up. I mean, she's gorgeous anyway. Yeah, absolutely. In the film, but she's glammed up and she's standing on the table with a chainsaw. And I'm just like, I, I listen. I was in love with you already, but I'm. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, just, I'm just I was just, I was just kind of taken aback. But um. No, but it's just very interesting when you kind of see, like, how those two films kind of lean into the reality of what these characters are, not only who they are, but what the, the environment, what they're dealing with. With how mm-hmm. Retner's, like, he can't stop himself from trying to get the big score, even though he just got the big score. Like, okay, it's almost like when you realize your dream, or realize your goals, mm-hmm. when you actually finalize them, or actually achieve them, they realize how small your goals are, and you have to be more big ones. And, yeah, it needs to be bigger. Yeah, yeah except for him, he's going to be killed by them. Yeah. And then a Parasite <laughs> is just like, yeah, you can always dream... Of like the next tax break or like what's like what is again the the title parasite's so multifaceted and appealing because who's yeah. actually a parasite? Is it the rich yeah. off the poor or is the poor off the rich? Or is it the po- even the more poor off the poor? Like the what, what is like... the actual level? Like like it's almost like Dragon Ball Z to a degree where it's like no matter what level you achieve, there's always another another level you can actually hit. Okay, I was I was very curious <laughs> where you were going. See this face. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> The best film of the year, Parasite, uh, Oscar contender for best picture. Dragon Ball Z in theaters, 2019 as well. So that is true. Yeah, that is true. Um, but the I think the script does a really good job, and the movie, like in general, does a really good job of portraying all of the different layers yeah. of class, not necessarily <clears throat> as good or bad. No, they, they just, just are. are. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is also something that I feel like a Western approach would not have taken. Um, like I feel like the because like the 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 rich wife mm-hmm. and the rich father are basically just kind of like they're they're the just, parks yeah yeah they're just getting by and the 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 wife is kind of she's a little naive and but she's she you you can kind of see like you know I, I'm trying to do the best for my family I'm trying to do the best for this house right um so no one is like inherently like stereotypically cruel no which it, I think that if if 
a, a like someone over here directed it, there would be a lot more like okay, well, we really don't want the audience sympathizing with the parks because they're rich. So let's just kind of let's just add a like a couple of like pandering, not pandering. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and not only is that, like two things on top of that. One is like the the the, the quote of the movie is from Mrs. Kim when they're all having a drunk session, they're eating everything, mm, or whatever, yep. and she's mm-hmm. like, um, and the dad's like, oh, they're so nice, they're, they're so nice, and the mom's like, you know, they're rich because they're nice, they're, they're nice because they're rich. Yeah. Like, if I was just rich, I would be nice too, like, yep, money, being rich, yep, go ahead. Uh, like, money irons out all the, like, all the problems? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah, yeah irons out the faults that, quote unquote, yeah. the faults that people have. And that's true, and, 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 yeah, because, yeah, they're nice to these people because, like, they can afford to be so. Yeah, and they can afford to be relaxed. They can right. afford to not have to necessarily worry about things that right. they have to worry about. Right, and and, and, not, and it's because interesting you mentioned like because it's interesting like this film it it, it would have a couple things like oh the tent was made in America it's fine how it's mm-hmm. like no matter what the denigration of the site of America is and there's been a lot since this mm-hmm. current administration has been in um, to a large degree yeah America is still kind of seen as the pinnacle. Which is, it's funny And that's interesting to kind of, if you kind of look at it from the point of view of like, okay, like, again, Parasite, like, if the rich, you want to be the parks, but how do you actually get there? You can't. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting how USA in this film is still kind of talked about in those terms. Like, oh no, my, my, um, um, my sister's friend Jessica, who's an artist, she, 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 um, um, she studied in America. She's yeah, she went to like a prestigious art school in America, right. and, and so. Illinois, Chicago, like that. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. like that. How how America is still regarded in those kind of uh, in that kind of light. But what I think is funny too is that like I I and I, it's got to be intentional that the line of like it was built in America. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. like the best that we've got. Drew so many laughs from yeah. the audience, yeah, this from American, American audience, audience yeah. where it's like. Okay. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Um, and not only that, but the other point is, like um, like you mentioned before, like if this was by an, by an American uh, director or American filmmaker, what have you, or writer as well, they'll kind of like, yeah, we don't want to sympathize with the rich too much because they're rich, and we've seen how much the rich have done to this country. Yeah, yeah. Again, especially in the last four years. Right. Um, that's what, excuse me, like, that's what one of the best shows, Succession, is kind of played around on HBO because so many people were just like by, uh, by Jesse Armstrong starring Brian Cox Sarah Snook uh, Michael McFadden Matthew McFadden sorry and mm. um, Jeremy Strong of course but so many people were just like because at the beginning people were it's talking about which Adam McKay directed the pilot I think the second episode as well mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the pilot for sure I know the pilot but it's like do we really want to sympathize with like a mock-up of the Murdoch family? Like, do we want to watch an entire show about them? Mm-hmm. Especially when you see what the Murdochs have done, what the Trumps have done. Yeah. You kind of go down the list. And then, like, after afterwards, it's like, oh, no, this is still this is actually hilarious. The show's actually not sympathizing with the rich family. Mm-hmm. It's just showing how preposterous they are. But, again, that's something that, like, that's really kind of, e- that's kind of hard to toe the line. D- for it an is. American audience and an American filmmaker, as far as Bong Joon-ho can kind of, like, not as movies about capitalism. Yeah, like just straight up, that's what this is, and 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 the effects that it has, like this this twisted version right. of capitalism, and and what it does to class, and, right. and the desperation that it causes people, and yeah. how it can ruin families. Yeah, um, on a social on, on on a literal level, and like on a textual level, on a on a social economic level, like just on across on so many different ways, like ruin mm-hmm. family. Um, that's what. 
I because you were talking about the 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 show uh, Succession. 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 Yeah. I haven't seen it, Gwyneth. Can you tell? Um, but and and asking like, do we want to sympathize with the rich? And it reminds me of the the nineties that that weird period in the nineties when like things were pretty good and we at least kinda, in America. At yeah. least in America, yes. Um, economy was great. Things were going pretty all right. Um, and so we kind of had to make up problems. And so there was this string of movies about how difficult it was to be like a white dude in Ivy League schools yeah. and how like, ah, uh, I know that my parents are rich and I can go to this wonderful school filled with opportunities and I barely have to work hard, but I want to be an artist and no one understands. And it's like, <laughs> I cannot go back to those movies and watch them and take them seriously. Cause I'm like, you can just go straight fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so, um, I'm glad we've kind of gotten away from that, but you know, at the cost of our society's well being, but yeah. you know, any other films from 2019 you want to touch on? Um, uh, the, I mean, Hustlers, Gwyneth C. Hustlers. Yeah. You've seen Hustlers. Come on. Surely. Hustlers is fun. No, it's it's a great movie. Um, and I love, because my sister watched it on HBO recently. Oh, nice. And she was telling me, and she was asking me, like, why, why does Destiny hate Ramona so much and all that stuff? And I was just like, because it's a love story. Yeah, and she felt spurned. Like you brought, they had a good operation between the two of, well, four of them. When you, if you count Lily Reinhardt and mm-hmm. Kiki Palmer, but then you bring in all these dangerous elements. You bring in the druggies. You bring in all this stuff. You like, you start hurting, hurting people. You start being neglectful. And it's like, it's a love story. Yeah, um, and again, one like the end, just seeing, um, Jennifer Lopez who plays Ramona. I mean, it's just remarkable. Absolutely. At the end, when she pulls up the the the, the picture of little De- of Ramona as uh, Destiny as a kid, so when Ramona pulls up the picture of Destiny as a kid when she's talking to Julie Stiles, her ju- uh, journalist, mm. about the interview she's doing, that kind of that knew almost when we cried in the theater. Like I yeah. was just like, "Oh shit, yeah, that's such a great move." It's it's that's a gr- such a great move. But this movie is filled with great moves and, yeah, and things that feel very fresh again um, and refreshing to see in like a big movie like this. Where you know it's it's very sex worker positive. Yeah. Um. It's very. It's very feminist. Mm-hmm. It's it's very and not in a way that's coin either. Not in a way that's like rah rah. We're girls. Let's do this. Yeah. It's it, not like and and the, the it's thing not I, pushing an agenda. Yeah, and it doesn't even feel like that was because I was concerned upon seeing trailers for it that it was going to be very like well you know. These these women are justified in what they're doing, even though what they're doing is very bad, but they are women, and this is an empowering movie about how everything that they're doing is right and justified, and girl power, yeah. you know, and, and leave out the nuances and the agency of what, because it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. and what these women did were, was bad. Yeah. And they know that, and the film knows that. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction. And it was, but it was also really cool seeing them like, okay, so we are, we are taking them to like a height where like you are rooting for these characters and you've seen the shit they have to go through and how hard they have to work. And we're going to get them up here where, you know, things are good and ushers at the, at the club and they're in love with each other and they're a family and everything's fantastic. And then, the uh, recession hits, and yeah. then you see them stoop down to these lows so that you're, like, sympathizing and you're rooting for them so that when they start doing these terrible things, you're like, this is good. This is a good thing. They're surviving. These guys are scumbags anyway. And then it just teeters kind of brilliantly on this razor's edge of, 
Oh, no, wait a minute. The more this is going on, the more bad and toxic and, and mean-spirited and wildly illegal this is. Yeah. Um, the, the movie, yeah, it, it ends with, like, no, 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 no. These, they got their comeuppance because mm-hmm. we are rooting for these protagonists, but they are not infallible. Yeah. They, just because they are, they are women in a movie about feminism doesn't mean that they can't make mistakes and can't do bad things, which I think is so important when Hollywood is still trying to create positive female role models on screen, and sometimes they do it in a way where it's like, this is a perfect character because women need a a role model to look up to in film, which they do. But I think it's more important to also give them the agency to be fully fleshed characters who can fuck up. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's that's filmmaking, that's storytelling, and I think it's more, that's, that's a bigger step forward than saying, you know, here's, here you go, here's your female Superman who's, who's got no faults. Isn't this great? Buy the action figures. No faults that represents all of women and can do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not, no, but well said on that point. And it's funny because Hustlers kind of works as maybe the best Scorsese Pache that we've got in a while because everything like yeah. you said where it's like oh it's high right and high Usher's here boom this happens and now we kind of see like all that taken away of what these effects mm-hmm. are and of course he has done that forever he does an Irishman as well which I will talk about in a little bit later mm-hmm. but and it's funny because the studio wanted Scorsese to direct this movie um, really yeah um, huh. which he could have done it would have been, yeah, yeah, been interesting yeah it would have been interesting it would have been wildly different yes it would have but yeah, it's interesting how like that film kind of follows that same template. Like again, like you just expertly described, where that is what a Scorsese movie does. But mm-hmm. I feel like this film is understandably enough to know, like, no, this isn't. We're not just gonna have like a, a ride of good time and get like no, we're gonna have to deal with the consequences of what these people do. Yeah, not just on what they do as far as the illegal stuff, but how these affect each other as well. Yeah, the relationships how, that are right. the crux of the movie. Right, and again, that's the whole point between Destiny and Ramona. Mm-hmm. And it's funny enough, um, the person who. Who uh, Ramona's based off of the real life person mm-hmm. is actually suing Jennifer Lopez's company because of her portrayal in the movie. What? What? Why? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't read that much. Jennifer into it. Lopez played you. Right. <laughs> you should be paying her money. <laughs> um, and just the way again, I got to mention this. Step into my fur. And yeah, just, and just, yes, the, yeah. and just the opening. How. That might be the best OE4 character I've seen. I can't remember when. Uh, maybe because again, Michael is... Shannon and Nocturnal Animals, uh, Mahershala Ali, oh, yeah. Moonlight, like like like. General Lopez in Hustlers is up there. Where it's like yeah. the, the like one of the best opening entrances. Yeah, for a character, just that that whole dancing, the whole dance, the whole routine is just that remarkable. she that she practiced and did. And I think that's another thing that I really liked about the movie was the you and I were talking about how there's a scene where they're trying to teach Destiny how to work the pole right. and giving her tips. Right. And instead Cardi of B it, comes in. Yeah, and instead of it being kind of like a mean girl situation, which it very easily could have been like, oh, the new girl's here, blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, girl, let's let's do this. Not like that. It could, it could have been like this. a mean girls thing on, on different levels. Could have been like, oh, the new girl's here. Oh, she's Asian. She's Hispanic. She's black. So you kind of had all that kind of play with. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it could have gotten different ways, but they're like, no, let's act no, It's like, listen, you need help, we'll help. Yeah, they're like, in like you're... they're in like super comfortable sweats. Right. And they're just like breaking down how to like give a lap dance. Just my to... contact. Let them work it. Uh, it's worth just... the clock, not the cock. Worth the clock, not the cock. <laughs> if there's one thing I learned this year, Gwyneth. 
so, it's look at the shoes yeah. and work the clock, not the cock. So it's not, it's not like that line, but Hustles also has a line where Jennifer Lopez is talking, when they meet up again in the diner after recession, mm. and talking about like how she how yeah. Ramona has kind of stayed afloat using the drugs to kind of uh, scam mm-hmm. out um, uh, rich Wall Street type guys and people in the financial district. She says a line, America, America, like America's a strip club. Yeah. And that's a great line. It's a again, great analogy, too, that still works. Yeah, again, not only that, that fits with Parasite, Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. Hustlers, where, we, like, what is America now at this point in our in our lifetimes? Yeah. Where we see, like, the rich keep getting richer, the rich steal from the poor, and almost the government is facilitating that. Compliant, yeah. Completely compliant, right. Um, like, what what does that say of what America is now? Yeah. And I think those three films are actually really kind of apropos to that, which is interesting. And they're all from completely different points of view and completely different tones. Yeah. And they're, they're about the same basic theme. And you were talking, because I haven't, unfortunately, I still haven't seen uh, Knives Out yet, but you're talking about how it's still... It's yeah, very... Knives Out is very kind of um, topical as that. It, it talks about the alt-right, talks about the left, talks about immigration, talks mm. of, and that's kind of, uh, that's almost like the entire foundation of that film. Because the remarkable thing about Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, which is a fun movie, by the way. Um, I'm very excited I, to see Anna, it. Anna de Armas is fantastic. Um, she was so good. I left that movie and bought Blade Runner twenty forty nine right afterwards, and I liked Blade Runner twenty forty nine despite the fact I've never seen, I've never cared to see Blade Runner, and I don't like Denis Villeneuve's movies <laughs> except for one. You know, so you know, I guess this is number two now. But <laughs> um, no, but she's fantastic in it. Daniel Craig is great in it. Chris Evans is back to playing the kind of hot, cool asshole that he was before he got before he was Captain America for almost a decade. Yeah, and he just. It's right back. It's like right in the bike. Just, just falls right back. Just, right, place. just right, falls fall right back in. Um, the way it, it, it is actually very topical because, like, that movie kind of gives you what happens as far as who done it, like, kind of early in the film, mm. and then it's all about like it's all about like, uh, kind of unraveling the the um, the uh, machinations of how of why that happened, mm. and then it's like, okay, this is the how why that happened, and then also why this happened as far as different points of view, like from the family, hmm. from Anna, Anna DeArmas' character, the entire world at large, and the whole and the whole kind of atmosphere that kind of film is playing with. And it's really kind of fascinating to kind of see it kind of dial within, dial in and play around that kind of level of a well-worn genre of the whodunit. It's yeah. actually kind of invigorating from that point of view. It's kind of, it's fun, and it's fun to kind of solve the mystery with the film as well. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just kind of. I'm still kind of processing like the fact that these are all movies that yeah. like, movies take a long time to make, write, produce. You know, much less get picked up by a distributor and right, blah, blah. right. Um, and the fact that four of them that came out this year that are like, you know, everyone can kind of unanimously agree are pretty damn good, are all very similar just in terms of like. What what are we doing with our economy? And I had a friend. And, she was like, I think it was like two thousand. Let's see. I think after the election, two thousand seventeen. Mm. We were having lunch. She was like, Yeah, hey, I was kind of disappointed by films. They haven't really talked about what's going going on with the, like government and all that stuff. And I was just like, I said the same thing. I was like, You know, films like a long like you know this. Like we went to school, we went to college and the same thing mm, together. Like yeah. college, uh, not college. Uh, cinema takes a long time 
to kind of turn the ship around to avoid the iceberg. Kind of, again, no Titanic reference. To kind of, <laughs> to kind of like it, it takes a lot. Like you said, it takes a long time to kind of. Like, it takes at least two years to get the stuff made and kind of get it out there. Yeah. And now that we're in tech, kind of 2019, almost at the end of this current administration, now it's kind of being a little topical. Now it's kind of being like, well, no, this is what mm. is actually kind of going on in the world around us. Right. Um. And it's fascinating to see. It's really fascinating to see. I was going to say another film that we saw was uh, The Lighthouse. Uh, Robert Eggers' uh, second film, Lighthouse After the Witch, four mm-hmm. years ago now. Uh, we both love The Witch. Loved The Witch. Um, I think Lighthouse, we're, just, we're still kind of thinking about. We're still kind of like, eh. I'm still I'm still processing The, uh, the Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, last night, I, I, Gwyneth, I couldn't sleep a, I couldn't sleep a wink last night, Gwyneth Paltrow. And I, in like my exhaustion, I looked online and someone, like, I think it's on like Vimeo, Someone uploaded the entirety of Willem Dafoe's like damning monologue yeah. to Robert Pattinson, who insulted his like lobster cooking. Yeah, yeah. It's two minutes uncut of Willem Dafoe just wishing the most insane death upon Robert Pattinson because he insulted his cooking, and it's maybe my favorite monologue ever. Because if it's that important to you, I'll, I'll say I like the lobster. All right, fine, have it your way. Hark! Hark! I I in I it was like. Don't you like my lobster? You like my lobster, don't you? I just spill your beans. But um, at like five forty-five a.m., I <laughs> I transcribed it just so I could <laughs> read it. I was gonna. Do you want? Do you want to do it? I I can attempt it. Please do. Because. Because it's, it's my favorite thing in the world. Clear the light. He's going ISO. Let's go. <laughs> so so they're they're both plastered in their room. Yeah. And this is like they don't get along in the movie unless they're like obliterated, and then they kind of turn into like this old married couple, and it's yeah. kind of fun. And so they're sitting there, and they're just like on the ground, just like you know whatever, and, and talking about you know eh, this isn't too bad, I guess. And then Robert Pattinson just says like. Yeah, but your cooking's not great. And Willem Dafoe's like, what? And he's like, hey, your lobster's not all that I'm great. I'm tired of lobster. If I had a steak, I would fucking... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's all it is. It's just small talk about, like, man, you know, I'm sick of lobster. I could go for a steak. And, you know, your lobster's not great. And Willem Dafoe's I love, response... Sir, I love how nonchalant you kind of gave that. Like, how, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, the lobster's not great. And it's like, that's not what the film is at all. No, it's not. <laughs> but, like... Please go ahead. Yeah, go. So, so... In response to this this little, like, just kind of throwaway line of, like, man, I'm just sick of your lobster. I could really go for something else. Willem Dafoe... Sorry, well, are you going to do the accent? I'm going to try. Okay, please. Oh, yeah, stop. Heartbroken go. and furious. Yes. <laughs> stares him into the eye like he just... Like, Robert Pattinson just murdered his family and says, Damn ye! Let the tomb, let, let Neptune strike ye dead, Winslow. Hark! Hark, Triton! Hark! Bellow, bid our father, the Sea King, rise from the depths full foul in his fury, black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with pungent slime, to choke ye, engorging your organs till ye turn blue and bloated with bilge and brine, and can scream no more. Only when he, crowned in cockle shells, 
with slithering tentacle tail and steaming beard take up his fell beefinid arm, his coral-tongued trident screeching banshee-like in the tempest, and plunges right through your gullet, besting ye, a bulging blacker no more, but a blasted bloody film now, nothing for the harpies and the souls of dead sailors to peck and claw and feed upon, only to be lapped up and swallowed by the infinite waters of the dread emperor himself, forgotten to any man, to any time, forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea, for any stuff or part of Winslow, even any scantling of your soul, is Winslow no more, but is now itself the sea. He is so furious that he wants his... First of all, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank Gwyneth and my agent. Um, he's... Thank your God, thank your agent, and fuck off. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, he's just so furious that he just... I don't even want your soul to exist. I want you to just disappear Cessation into... of existence. It just to just disappear off the face of the universe. It's just the best thing... That I've ever witnessed. It's amazing. Uh, like, if you look at the, if you talk about the aesthetics of that shot, yeah, it's a close, it's a, it's a tight, medium shot. When the foes looking down, so, we're, so the camera's kind of looking up at him. And again, the aspect ratio is like, uh, it's square. It's, yeah. it's the old school. I think four, Academy four three, uh, four three, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Harsh black and white. So we kind of like, and and if you if you kind of pay attention to act, if, if, if pay attention to acting. You'll notice, like, monologues like this, or kind of really, quote-unquote, important scenes, mm. the actor won't blink. Yeah. The photo doesn't blink in this. Which, and that's two minutes. Right, right. And it, it reminds me, like, how Jack Nicholson does, like, the, um, you can't handle the truth, like, the whole monologue. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. blink in that scene as well. So it's like, he's holding his fixture on, patting somebody he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And the way the light is, is coming, I think it's coming from his left, if I remember correctly. So... The harsh light is kind of reflecting at him. We kind of see, like, half his face. We see, like, yeah. his iris seals, like, just, like, stone cold looking at him. Mm. And he's doing this whole line. Like, he's this, this thunder and lightning and this brimstone. Yeah. And I remember when we watched that, I kind of, like, took a deep... I was like, Whoa. Yeah, I think we both were just like, what the fuck? Right, and then it just cuts the patents in on the ground. Yeah, there's, like, a comedic beat. Yeah, it's, it's, and like, there's a beat, like, after that. Like, it's like, yeah. beat. And then it cuts the patents in, who's on the ground. So the, Looking so, up at him, just, like... So the, so the, but the camera's, like, it's like, the camera's at high and kind of looking down and looking yeah, at yeah. him. Like, the eye lines match in those regards. And then Patton's just kind of looking at him and it's just like... All right, listen. If you want me to say the, if you want me to like the lobster, I like the, I'll say I like the lobster. Yeah, yeah. And that's all he says. And it's I just like, like the lobster. It's just like it's such. <laughs> it's incredible. It is incredible. And and uh, again, like you know the 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 overall movie itself, we're like you said, we're still on the fence about it. Right. But the performances, yeah, hot damn, yeah. This is this is like pure unfiltered Defoe. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And he's been on a run lately, too, which has been great. Yeah. Um, especially, the, I mean, he, I know in the beginning we're talking, where people were talking about, oh, can you get nominated for Lighthouse? That's probably not going to happen now. But 
Um, we look at the Florida Project at Eternity's Florida Gate when Project, he plays yeah. um, Vince McVeigh and Go, which one of my favorite performances last year. Mm-hmm. And then you know Lighthouse Now. It's like you know he's been on a, on a really interesting run. Yeah, as a light, which is cool to see. It is really, especially because they're films that are not. They're films that I think just he prefers. He because yeah. I was watching an interview with him again last night because I did everything fucking last night. Um, but besides he sleep. was he was besides sleep. Um, but he was talking about how. He really liked the dialogue in the lighthouse because yeah. it felt very theatrical, something mm-hmm. that he would do on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of his movies have been, you know, I don't want to say small scale, but films that his 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 roles are very meaty in regards to like yeah, yeah. this if, is almost like a stage actor's role. Yeah, if you look at his if you look at quote unquote his best stuff and you, if you if you listen to him talk about acting, he's someone who takes a crap not only very serious because mm-hmm. it's his life's passion. But he talks about, like, no, I was at this playhouse, I, I, I come from here, I did this, I was on this stage. Like, someone's very much engrossed within the um, the theater Nate, the theater side yeah. of acting. So, yeah, I can see, like, someone like when Robert Eggers, who loved, and Robert Eggers talked about this as well, too, it's like, he's talking about his favorite part of the filmmaking process is the research. He loves to research. Yeah. And you can tell by you this can, movie and The Witch, especially. Right, you, yeah. yeah, you can definitely tell. Especially when he takes, like, line, he takes, like, lines from a different, like, um, actual accounts from trials or yeah. from journals or from Melvin from um, um, uh, Herman Melville stuff like that mm-hmm. um, it kind of mishes them all together to one coherent thing but yeah it seems like the film is really kind of into this kind of stuff where it's just like no I'm working with a great uh, director whether it's Sean Baker or Julian Schnabel or Robert Eggers or you can kind of go down the list of whoever what have you and I kind of I kind of get to mold something with it. they get to mold me, but I get to mold something with them at the same time as well. Yeah, and that kind of what seems like he's kind of that's what that's what he's in the game for. Mm-hmm. Which is cool to see. It's really cool to see because we get ridiculous, like, nuanced, very uh, varied, and yeah. very very peculiar peculiar roles yeah. that he he just effortlessly slides into. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the lighthouse. Yeah, I keep telling people I want to watch it again. Um, we do need to see it again. Yeah, because people keep asking, what did you think of The Lighthouse? I'm like, I... Yeah. People are like, isn't this it's one of like, the strangest films we've ever seen? Like, it's strange. It like, is I, strange, and it... I know the, the thing that I kind of uh, struggled with, and we were talking about it after the movie ended, was like, I, I didn't... I felt like it was saying something that was going over my head. Uh-huh. And then you said, like, well, films don't have to necessarily have a message to say. Right. Sometimes sometimes no message is the message. I mean, the Coen brothers have been doing that since 1984. Right, yeah, true, very true. Um, But I think that's kind of where I... Because, again, it's a a brilliantly made film, and it's very well-researched and incredibly acted. Yeah. But, yeah, something just feels off. And that's step on you for a second, but it's like... Just because the film doesn't... Just because no message is the message, that's fine. I feel like The Lighthouse is almost like... It, it's almost like disjointed in a way in those regards mm. where it's just like yeah we're just gonna see like two people get crazy all but etc etc et and then it gets to a point where it's like oh no there's actually something here and then it doesn't do anything with them like oh that's yeah. okay like at the again spoilers for the lighthouse if you want if you can when it's spoilers movie. for all the movies we're talking about right because again spoilers don't matter but <laughs> people feel that way anyway mm. but it's just like okay so when he gets to the lighthouse finally and he sees the light it goes crazy almost like um, Kiss Me Deadly in 1955. That film, the one. Yeah, the like, the audio like kind of like hits the red and gets right, distorted and right, and it cuts but, out. And it's like okay, so did something happen? Is this like a 
Cthulhu-like thing? Is, is it a it story like, of, like, obsession over right. the light? Like, is it hypnotizing him? Why was Defoe up there? Yeah, is a light a metaphor, or is this all straight? Are they like, in love it... with the light? Right, like... Because they don't have anything... Right, I, and again, yeah. the film doesn't have to answer any of these, but I feel like the film should itself should know the answers. I don't know if the film does yeah so that's kind of my trepidation with it to a degree because that, that, that was a cool thing with the light with the witch where it's like you're, you're following this family they get picked apart one by one mm. you think the witch has something to do with i mean there is a witch in the movie yeah um and then the actual devil comes into play at the end it's like would you like to live deliciously and the girl's like all right i'm in nowhere i'm in no man's land mm. literally and figuratively I've people keep no accusing one... no no one's here yeah People can be accusing me to be a witch. I guess my best option is to actually just be a fucking just witch. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, so fuck you guys. I'm going to be a witch. And it's like, that's a cool thing to say. Again, mm-hmm. it doesn't have that necessarily say that, but the entire film is kind of leading up to that point. And that's another thing we've got to talk about in a second. Oh, too. definitely. Um, as well, but it's like the film's kind of leading up to this point where it's like, oh, this is what we're saying. Mm hmm. And this is what it is. Yeah. Again, you don't have to take it what it is, but that's what the film's doing. I don't know if The Lighthouse is doing the exact same thing, which it doesn't have to, again. But I feel like. I almost, and Eckers just kind of talking about this film again, kind of doing the press and everything. But it's just like, I almost want to just kind of sit down. Like, what are you trying to say? This film, and again, I don't need an answer per se. I just want to know what you think the film is trying to say. I don't know what. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's kind yeah. of my. Not what are you trying? Like, what are you? Right. Like, like what's what the are, film doing? Yeah. Like, you're sitting down. You're doing this stuff. Aside from using, you know, aside from the novelty of using this old film technology, right? And and shooting it in this regard. What What are you What what was in your head? What are we doing here? You're writing this story. What, what's going on? Right. Um, again, not to say even it's a bad movie. It's no, just, no, no, it's we're not, just kind of confused yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I just want to. I just want to take its temperature again and kind of lean to that. And I know I want. I want you to kind of go ISO again on horror, which which you will when we talk about the decade mm. a little bit. But Midsummer as well. Yeah. Every Ashes Midsummer again. We didn't like Hereditary. We didn't like Midsummer. And I know we're kind of a minority of that, which is fine. Mm. My favorite thing. I keep telling people this. My favorite thing is like so so. If you're not aware, anytime Steve and I go watch a movie, we'll kind of sit there for maybe like almost an hour. About, Just yeah. talking about the movie, talking about life, how, how it kind of pertains to everything, the themes, right, right. what we liked about it, etc., etc. When we watched Ms. Samar, <laughs> we were both just dead silent. We just watched the credits. We we, sl- we slowly walked out yeah, of the we theater. Yeah, we walked out. We didn't say a thing. We got out, and and I was and the entire time, I don't know what you're thinking, but the entire time I was, I was thinking, like, what can I talk to him about in this movie? Yeah. There's nothing to talk about in regards to this movie. <laughs> this movie, it, for for I mean, I, for lack of a better word, I mean, for, for good or ill, and I, and I think incredibly ill, this movie is what it is. It is completely what it is. And then as soon as we got, as soon as we got out of the theater, you turned to me and was like, so we're done watching these movies, right? Yeah, no, we're done. This... <laughs> This is a this is a two for two because again like, two strikes you're out that's it we're done because hereditary get the vault get the vault of the hook he's yeah yeah, yeah. he's coming off the stage <laughs> but like um, it's one of my favorite things that happened that we no yeah because it it was very much just like we slowly walked out we just kind of like looked at the ground and then we're like cool we're done I guess. <laughs> like, we don't have to like try to justify because like. I didn't hate Hereditary. I just hated the ending of Hereditary, which ruined retrospectively the rest of the film. Yeah. I thought it was competently made horror. It's a a great looking film. It's great looking film. The tension was incredible. Yeah, the atmosphere, the tension. The the reason I hate that movie to a large degree is because Tony Collette is pitching a perfect game in that movie and the movie throws her away. Throws her away. Throws her away. It's like, oh, we got the image of her on on the ceiling and it's a demon call. It's like that. 
Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want, again, it's almost interesting, like, we're not demanding the answer for the lighthouse, we just kind of want to know what the point of what it's saying is, but if Hereditary is like, no, don't give me the answer. And yeah. he gave me the answer to something I didn't care about. Well, especially because the whole movie is basically like, so this is this is a family drama horror film. Yeah. Where the horror is coming from the tension between these characters and relating to the incredibly visceral, gruesome death of this daughter. Right. Um, which was in effective horror. That shot of her head with the ants yeah. is like... I, I think that's going to be remembered as one of, like, those classic, modern classic film shots mm-hmm. of the decade that mm-hmm. people are going to point to and be like, oh, yeah, no, remember, like, everyone who saw this movie remembers this. Yeah. Um, and then, and so we're leading up to this thing where it's like, okay, so Tony Collette and her family are, are reaching, like, this fever pitch. The dad doesn't want to, like think about it because he just wants to keep the family together. Yeah. The son is racked with guilt. The mom is like kind of losing her mind over how much loss and how much stuff is just happening. And, and also we should press a fest where like Tony Collette's mother died in the beginning of this movie. In the That's beginning of the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the grandmother apparently had this hereditary curse that she lives in and whatever. Not just, go ahead. But even like the, the title of hereditary could have been like oh no like the, the sins of our parents. Like it could have been a movie about like yeah. we just no matter how much we disagree with our parents, we can, we're still at risk of becoming our parents. Right. And that would have been a more metaphorical and interesting and layered uh, meaning to the title of Hereditary. Yeah, and I, I, again, I was digging that part. I was digging the family drama part. Again, the the, the dinner scene, amazing. When, um, Incredible. When, um, when, um, when Tony Collette walks into Alex Wolf's uh, room and he's like, "I didn't want you," like, and she's like, "Oh my yeah. god, what did I just say?" Like, that's incredible. It's good. It, and again, that's what frustrated me the most about Midsummer and Hereditary is he he's gotta know what he's doing. No, the funny thing about Midsummer is like when he when when people loved Hereditary and people were like, "Oh, and all this stuff," and, it's, and it feels like I'm kind of stealing this from someone else. I, I can't remember who right now, but it seems like Ari Asher was like. Oh, so I don't, I don't need the subterfuge? I can just go straight into the cult then? Cool. Yeah. I was going to do it for the second one. And that's what Miss Samar was. This is like, we're, we're, we're here in Sweden. We're stuck here. Everything's going to happen. Everything's going to happen. All right, now I'm just waiting for them to get killed. And sure enough, everyone gets killed. But that's, and that is the work, because like... The, it's the, so fucking boring. The <laughs> most, yeah, the, the scariest part and the most effective part of the movie is the cold open. Oh, Golem's great. <laughs> which is a great short sto- a great short film about like... We probably should have left at that point. <laughs> Oh, in retrospect, like if we can time travel and just be like, like slip a note into our like theater and just go like, leave after the cold open, it's the best part. Right. Um, but then like, again, I feel like, I feel like past Toby and Steve would have been like, I mean, sorry, I said we could see that. All right. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? That actually makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, it just doubles down on like the stuff of hereditary that like we didn't give a shit about and kind of like pandering to the Reddit crowd of like look at this demon and it's like that's not the point but I guess the director thought it was yeah. retroactively again like and people keep not joking people are like it's a great breakup movie it's one of those harrowing breakup movies ever like that's true and it's like I wish it stuck to that again my, my yeah idea, I wish it committed to yeah. it yeah again my, my my ideal Toby version of this movie is they go to Sweden they do all the stuff they come back and then uh, Jack Rayner and uh, is that Jack Rayner? the boyfriend yeah, the boyfriend of Florence <laughs> Pugh, who, again, is my official favorite human being on Earth. Hmm. 
they just actually settle their, they actually take care of their relationship she breaks up with them I'm leaving it turns into like this indie drama I wish it did that <laughs> like it's marketed at, like the all the trailers are like the first 15 minutes of the movie yeah, yeah. and the no, next honestly, hour and a half yeah, is just cold, them keep the cold open go to Sweden you do all the cult stuff you go home fine yeah. everyone goes home they do the thesis whatever and then it's like hey we gotta talk and they bring they break up and that's the end of the movie that would've been my movie it's it's just it's because once and I guess that's the you you hereditary did have suspense you didn't know what it was building up to necessarily right the result was disappointing very much incredibly so. but the, the the ride up until that point was very engaging yeah and, and it feels like or someone's like yeah fuck the ride i'll just get right to the demon call and it's like right uh, and with uh, this it's like okay. to the point where we still have the boyfriend and a bear burned to death like all right but like it's it's so inevitable that yeah. like you said it's painfully boring it is because we're just yeah, waiting we, for everyone to die at We point. know it's right. a death cult. Right. But the characters don't. Right. And so we're now frustrated. Yeah. Because the characters are fucking stupid because yeah. they <sighs> don't realize that they're in a death cult. Remember the scene <laughs> when, like, they're, the like they go, like, their bus goes over a hill mm-hmm. and you just see, like, the cult for the first time? Yeah. And both of us just kind of under our breath went, like, oh, fuck no. Yeah. Like, turn around. Yeah. Like, the music's swelling. Like, look at this place. And I'm just like... I am. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Let's get out of here. It's obviously a death cult. Yeah. Um, so the characters are stupid, and yeah, I, I, I'm sure it is a great breakup movie, but that that really doesn't even. It's it's like the the vengeful part of it doesn't even come into play until like the last twenty minutes. Yeah. And the rest of the movie is just boring as fuck. Yeah. So again, we're we're, we're out on Ari Aster. Yeah. Um, we're out. One, one movie I, um, before I get to my list, one movie I, we want to talk about because we both we both saw it, we didn't see it together. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his ninth film. Oh yeah. Um. And I've mentioned this before on social media as well, but the more I think about this movie, the more I like it, which really kind of angers me and confuses me because <laughs> it's Tarantino, and I and I and I want to retire. I want to retire so much. Um, he's got one more, I think. He's got one more. One more left in him. Um. I will help clean out his offices. I will drive to the airport. Like I just wanted to stop. But, <laughs> drive him to the airport. I'll let him use my truck. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, let, 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 listen. I'll. You get one of this. I'll get the other. Let's go. <laughs> but um, no. This movie's a great hang. It, it's a it's a great hang. Mm-hmm. Of just atmosphere and nostalgia. I think in a, I think done in a really good way. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt's amazing in it. Absolutely. Just a great super. Just a great super movie star performance. Just like mm-hmm. I mean. I was gonna say the whole what, did he kill his wife thing. I don't know. I, I feel like he didn't. I feel like the movie wants you to think he. I don't think he did. I, yeah, but that, I feel like I, 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 that felt inconsequential to me in the grand scheme of the rest of the movie. Kinda. So I and not to say design is inconsequential, but eh, but I, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I just remember me feel. I feel like the movie wants to think that, but I was like, I don't know. I think it'd be. I think it'd be more interesting if he didn't do it. And like that's like the the schoolyard rumor, right, 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 around Hollywood, right. He, and the reason why he's so nonchalant is like, I know I didn't. But oh no, no, no one's gonna hire me, so whatever, right. I'll just live my life. Right, I guess. Yeah, and that, that's what I feel about too. Um, it's cool that has he has all the like the the uh, uh, actors of the children of actors in the movie like Mark Mark Quietly, Lena Dunham is a famous. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a child of a famous uh, artist. Uh, Mia Hawk is in there. Um, Dakota Fanning's in there. Like you have so many people with just pepper. Scoop McNary's in here for a hot second. Yeah. Um, oh, I love Timmy Oliphant in this movie. Oh yes, um, yes, yes. Damian yes. Lewis. Um, Al Pacino's in the. Al Pacino, like, uh, yeah, uh, Melvin Schwartz, not Schwartz, 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 Schwartz. There's no T in there. Um, I will forget that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bruce Dern as George oh, yeah. Span of Spain for like a hot 
Second as a blind guy to Dakota Fan just fucks every once in a while. You know. <laughs> Listen, we're kind of sign for that deal. Uh, yeah, I mean... So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's Margaret Quiley, I think I've mentioned as well, but mm-hmm. like, there's just so many people scattered throughout this movie that it's just so much fun to see. Um, and then, I, again, I think this might be Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance. It, I think so. It's the most fun. It's, 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 uh, I feel I feel like Wolf of Wall Street might be more fun, but this is, oh, that's true. this yeah, is yeah. so much layer, just from the stut- the stutter he has, the mm. insecurity he has built in within him, yeah. and then he's still, like, I'm still a working actor, and he's still, the, the fact that he's so insecure, such a drunkard, but he still actually does his work, I find yeah. fascinating. Like, even though he's like, oh, I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna sit on the pool, but I'm, just, I'm gonna read my lines and study my lines and still know. It's like, I find it fascinating. His relationship with Julie Butters, the little girl. Oh, yeah, that's a standout. Well, Definitely. Just, that might be the most endearing thing Tarantino's done. Like, that character alone, the Julie Butters character, the little girl. The I mock-up think of, so. of uh, Jodie Foster, basically, as a kid. Like, that's yeah. so endearing. And when yeah. he starts telling her about the Western he's reading, and he starts crying, and, he, and she starts <laughs> consoling him. Sorry, I just. I'm going to relate right now to the story. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, as good as he once was. <laughs> and then, like, my, uh, you know, you obviously the, the best scene in the movie is him in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, throwing a tantrum and just being like, come on, get your shit together. Hey, whiskey sours! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then my second favorite scene in the whole movie... Tighten it up out there. You're going to show me your good actor, <laughs> goddammit. I'm going to fucking kill you. Um, again, improvised. Just, uh, which blows my mind because, yeah. again, the best scene in the whole movie, the most yeah. memorable thing in the movie... But then his scene where he's actually acting as the villain and he's yeah. giving it his all and he throws the little actress on the ground. Sexy evil Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but even after Hey pause the Luke Perry. Luke Perry's last performance. Oh shit it is. Oh, he's so good oh, in this too. He is really good. Yeah. But like after they the they yell cut and everyone's just kinda like clapping and and um The little girl comes up to him. Yeah, he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. That was great. Good I, job. I got the knee pads. Like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. And she comes up to him after the, after the director says, like, you know, Sixty Hamlet was great. She's like, that was the best acting I've ever seen. And then he just kind and of put No, this... no, it's, it's because this is this is the girl who's so, again, she's basically Jodie Foster, which is actually no one else has talked about that, which I find, like, why didn't yeah. they talk about this? But, um, she's so committed to the craft and uh, on, a, on a very, like, method actor, like, you 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 listen to Lee Streisberg a couple too t- too many times. <laughs> like you think you're dragging like that kind of old school kind of performance. Right. Like kind of like that. Uh, this is set in 1969, so yes. the kind of school is kind of coming in with Hoffman, Hackman, Duvall, Pacino, De Niro. Like that 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 kind of class is coming in. Uh, Ellen Burstyn is like throwing mm. there for, for of course as well. So he's basically trying to impress his little girl because yeah. he's like this old. He's like this. He's he's basically like a John Wayne. He's um he's a James Gardner. He's like that kind of. Old school actor, yeah, like, like almost like washed out a little bit. Oh, yeah, not, not a, little, a lot, no, but it's yeah. like that kind of that kind of actor was like, oh well, the one said James Cagney. I love James Cagney, by the way, but like mm-hmm. that that kind of old old James Cagney quote, like if you, you stand on your feet, you say your lines, and you meet them. That's how you act. Yeah. When you got these other, you got this old, you got this new school of actors kind of coming in. So he's kind of he's trying to impress his little girl, basically, yeah. which is amazing. So when she comes up to him, she's like, "That was the best act I've ever seen," and he's like, "Thank you." And he starts crying up. He's like, "Yeah," he puts his fist up to his lips and just goes, "Rick, fucking Dalton." <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. It's no, it's it's really good, and I yeah, I just the the different layers because again, he's also like when he's not. He's he's almost like a weirdly a, like aloof character. Yeah, he's he is a drunk. Yeah, um, but he's also a a talented actor who mm-hmm. gives it his all, and he's he has fits of rage, but he yeah. also his his emotions run the gambit. 
yeah, I think you could make the argument that this is DiCaprio's best performance. Yeah, I I, 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 I oh man, again, I, I, I keep telling friends, other friends, I'm just like, I, I, I love DiCaprio. Don't get me wrong, but I was, I was talking, like, always give him a lot of shit. Like, mm. I, I might, I might sit down and probably do like a whole DiCaprio podcast or whatever. But I'm just like, there's a lot I like, but there's a lot I don't like as well. Uh, it's, it's a yeah, shit, no, but, there, but there's really, a lot. I really love this performance. I think it, I, it, yeah, it's up there for me. But um. Two things I want to run by as far yes. as this movie goes. I remember I was on Twitter and people were talking about like talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course, and they were talking about like how oh man, it kind of sucks that this movie's all about driving and just kind of hanging out and the Western stuff. I'm like, I I'm sorry, what the Western stuff was the best part of the movie for me? Like, I wanted, I I yeah, wanted first to, of all, <laughs> it's like the driving part was like what? I I just find it interesting how people yeah. are like. How people were like, oh, the the Western stuff really kind of dragged out. I was like, I wanted, I wanted the whole movie, man. Do you think it's because when this movie was first <laughs> announced, it was headlines were Tarantino is tackling the Manson murders, yeah, so, which is almost like a background event, right? Yeah. So there was a lot movie. of there was a lot of kind of bad press, not bad. I don't know. I don't know if it was bad press or just bad. There were people who were pissed when they heard, yeah, like, he's, I, he's I tackling because. Think... The the implication was he was going to do like an alternate history in the same vein as like Inglorious Bastards, right? But with something that is a lot more fresh in people's minds. Well, I was going to say because Tarantino never said it was about the Manson murders; he just said Charles Manson was in the movie. Yeah, and which like, it was true. taking place in and, the same time period. Right, and then it, yeah, the same the same day actually. Mm-hmm. And then the press was like, you look at the press, you look at the blogs, you look mm-hmm. at the you know the publications. They were kind of like. They kind of kind of ran with like, oh, like Tarantino does a mansion murder, whatever. And then people, I remember talking to some people like, oh, Tarantino's doing a mansion. Like, no, he's not doing a mansion murder. They're just in the movie. And they're like, wait, what? And it's like, watch the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we get the movie, and then we see like, no, like yeah, Mansion's in it. Uh, it's funny. The, the same guy who plays Mansion. This plays Mansion in uh, my, uh, my Hunter on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah, he's amazing on My Hunter. Nice. Um. So yeah, it's interesting how like yeah, the, I, I that might be the case because he because Manson proper. I think has is in maybe two or three shots. Yeah, he's in movie. one scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe two minutes. Like right, and and then the Manson murder attempts. Yeah. don't actually happen until the very tail end of this movie. Right, the, it's it's about Hollywood and it's right. about this actor, and I think that people going it's in, about the Hollywood that Tarantino grew up with. Right, and and again, the trailers aren't trying to imply that it's a it's a crime thriller. No, the the trailers are implying that this is a it's a comedic kind of chronicling of this washed out actor trying to thrive in this age of Hollywood yeah. and, and struggling to do so. Yeah. And the Manson murders are taking place in his backyard. Yeah. But because people were so hyped up for Quentin Tarantino is making a Charlie Manson murder film, yeah. which is not what he said, but that's what people no. were expecting. And even people who knew better were kind of like, okay, we know he's not doing it, but do we really want to see Tarantino do this? Like, yeah. considering how violent and gross he can be, like, right? <sighs> yeah, and I'm, I, I'm, it's true crime films or films based on true crime. Um, honestly, like Fincher's Zodiac is the best example where it's like we don't glorify. It's not a slasher movie. It's not a. Right. It's not even a horror movie. Right. It's and and the, the all the murders take place in the first act of the film Mm -hmm. and the rest of it is about people trying to solve it which I think is what every true crime movie should be about because otherwise it is you know putting these people up on a pedestal and and weirdly glorifying them in a way Um, so yeah I wouldn't have I wouldn't have wanted this is the best case scenario for him 
even tackling like that time period yeah. and and that subject matter is like it's going to be in the background it's not the main focus and we're going to make all of these murders these these weird cult hippie teenagers look like you know inept buffoons and get flamethrower to death and uh, so that i'm going to lead to the ending because um emily emily yoshida mm. great writer freelance writer director as well nice. she mentioned she, she mentioned a tweet where it's just like, do people still like the ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Because I don't understand why. Mm. And the thread it was kind of like 50-50, or maybe mm. like 70-30, as far as people hated the ending, people didn't. And I thought that was interesting because I have problems with the ending as far mm. as the murders go. And it's interesting, interesting because I, I, the actual last shot, like that kind of high angle shot of like Dalton kind of going, he's he's in the club now, he's hanging out with Sharon Tate. I thought that was fine. That's kind of, again, that's maybe the most nostalgic Tarantino's ever been. Again, this, yeah. is like, this is like the once old, the once cool kid. He's not an old man now. He's kind of reflecting back of whatever. Right. That's what it is. And a lot of directors have done that this year. Interestingly, interestingly yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I saw this the first time. <sighs> I was gonna say we have to get into this, but I don't, I don't want to because time. But um, <laughs> but it's like um, so the hippies come into the hippies come in, mm. they go to Dalton's house. One of the hippies runs away. Uh, Mia Hawk's character runs away. The other hippies kind of come in. They meet uh, a high cliff booth. Oh yeah, who is chest? He is tripping out of his mind. Yeah, and and he engages them. He kills them all. Like I said, Rick Dalton. Uh, one of them falls into a pool who gets attacked by the dog and he lifts them up with a flamethrower from uh, the uh, the, the McCuskey movie. Um, Which was also a great little, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. scene there. Like, ah, die and not die. Uh, can we do something about the heat? Like, it's a flamethrower, man. It's, it's a flamethrower. It's hot. Um, yeah, it's just like this beat of, Dalton, it's a flamethrower. <laughs> that, that is way too hot. Can we do something about the heat? It's a flamethrower, man. Um, yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> So there's this discourse going around the ending where Tarantino, on one hand, Tarantino does write female characters in a way that no one else does. So people are going to look at uh, the Girls of Death Proof or the Bride, mm. of course, um, or uh, the titular character Jackie Brown and Jackie Brown. You can kind of go down, uh, even um, uh, Mia Wallace and Pulp Fiction, you can kind of go down the list of his filmography. Mm. Uh, Shoshana in uh, yeah, Glorious uh, Bastards. Bastards. But at the same time, it's just like, this is someone who revels in violence against women in his films. And at yeah. the same time, because I remember at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like, yeah, he takes out text pretty quick, but then he's, but, uh, Cliff takes out text pretty quick, uh, but then he he's cartoonishly taking the other girl, smashing her around the head and all yeah. that stuff around the house. And I just remember people laughing at that in such a joyous way. It's like, oh, God, here we go. Right. This is what and this it's, is. And it's it like, is frustrating fuck. because th- that's also based on real people. Yeah. Who are still alive. Not only that, but they did, in real life, they did murder a pregnant woman and her kid. Like, these people yeah. are them. So it's like, I'm not trying to say here, it's like, I'm not trying to be like, cancel culture, woke culture. It's like, well, do we have, it's like, no, these people are murderers. Like, I'm not, I'm not discounting yeah. that. I'm more looking at Tarantino's filmography where like, this is someone, again, this is why I hated the Hateful Eight so much. Because at the end of Hateful Eight, you have Jennifer Jason Lee who's beaten up by men the entire film and we don't see why she's such a villain. And I thought that was such a weird thing for him not to, not to show us. Mm. But he's going to show us her brother played by Channing Tatum instead for a quick minute? Why? But then at the end, 
we see Walton Walton Goggins and Samuel Jackson. They're like, oh, we we made it through this. We 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 uh, we, we overcame racism. We were brothers now. <laughs> we're gonna laugh. But in the foreground of that last shot is Jennifer Jason Lee's corpse, who was hung, just swinging in the foreground, and it lasted way too long for him. It's like. The woman's right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Really? This, uh, it, it, just, it puts such a bad taste in my mouth. And everything, like, in Django Unchained, Carrie Washington's not really playing a character. She's just playing, like, a MacGuffin that yeah. Django chases after. So it's like, all these things, you can kind of, even in Jackie Brown, how Bridget Fonda gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's like a one-off joke. It's like, she won't shut the fuck up. So Robert De Niro kills her, so she stopped talking. It's just yeah. like, do we, I, I, listen, I know J- Jackie Brown's probably my favorite Tarantino still. So I kind of may have to go back think about that but that's always been my answer because it's the least Tarantino film but <laughs> yeah you have Jackie Brown which is great but at the same time to throw away Richard Fonda like that yeah, and to kind of do the, it's like it's it's just there's there's no right answer here there really isn't and I like how the discourse kind of talked around this like again if you like the ending or not that's one thing but I think it does have to be acknowledged that Tarantino has an iffy track record Intentional or not, right. it's there. It's the, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and I think that has to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I again, I think it kind of comes back to like it's it's very tricky ground because the you know how do you tackle the 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 the, the cultish murder of Sharon Tate right. in your movie that has been pretty lighthearted mm-hmm. for a Tarantino film. And end on something like that and make it almost slapsticky. Yeah. Um, again, based on a real event. In real, I don't know. Yeah, it 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 was a weird choice that I the, the film didn't need. Right. Which I think is the weirdest part. And it's it's just that so many people are like, if you just kind of cut off the ending, it's better. And this is like that's interesting. That is interesting, right. but it's also true because <laughs> like because the the whole film is it's it's breezy and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um. The soundtrack's great. The soundtrack is incredible. Uh, performances are, you know, across the board very great. And then it it almost feels like Tarantino's like, well, I've got this violence quota because people expect this from me, the guy who made Kill Bill and etc. And so I kind of have to put this in, but it's not that kind of a movie. And I'm going to treat these people the way I treated, like, the bumbling Nazis that I murdered in a theater in Inglorious Bastards or the bumbling KKK that I murdered in Django, but it's a little different mm-hmm. this time around. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I think that he just kind of assumed like, yeah, this, you know, these are bad people, but I think like, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. No, it is. It's a tricky um, one. This alternate history period of Tarantino is really fascinating from, again, for good or bad. I lean a little bit more towards bad, but mm-hmm. eh. But it's just, yeah, this this period's been really interesting. I will say, um, uh, I really like Margot Robbie in this film. I know she's mm. been like a really decisive part in this kind of, since Can. Yeah, when it, when it's just the Bermuda Cap. I really like how, how she's. I really like she's the most important thing in this movie. She's almost like sold the movie. Mm-hmm. And watching Margot Robbie, Sharon Tate, watch the real Sharon Tate in the movie theater and just laughing along with everyone. That's kind of a cinema. A lot of what cinema does for me. Yeah, I love that. I love that scene so much. It's mm-hmm. so again. It's it might be the most uplifting thing that Tarantino's ever done. Yeah, this is a very it's a it's 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 unabashedly a Tarantino movie. Just yeah. like from like you know subject matter and dialogue and stuff. But it, like just the tone of it feels very 
unlike yeah. him. Again, it's, it's an old man kind of looking back and like, oh man, remember I was a fresh young thing and yeah, I can't the, really the do Hollywood of my day was great anymore. and yeah. there's still theaters around and all the neon lights and you know just kind of drove around and listened to like the, the B I don't know like what whatever band like like you just kind of yeah. that was just kind of like he the, I mean I will say this and the, and the last movie I want to get to before I get to my list it does a really good job of creating this world just like a fantastic job and not, not, and not only that but kind of like just seamlessly putting the audience in that world yeah as well it's just it's just remarkable um and that's the only good thing I can say about the Joker movie. <laughs> That's what I say. Gwyneth, the Joker's not a good movie. No, it's not. Um, it's so masturbatory and self-important. It's made a billion dollars. People are really kind of... It's quote-unquote revolutionized the comic book genre. It's not a comic book movie. It's, uh, but it's interesting how it's like... People have come down really hard on... I, I listen, during the, during the Globe Ghost uh, telecast when I was doing um, live tweeting and... and um, Watching it live with our mutual friend Justin Edwards, it's like I took a lot of shots to the Joker. Why not? Listen, it's made a billion dollars. It can survive. It it doesn't care. If it's I take it's shots. getting a sequel automatically. We know this, or at least like DC is gonna right. You know, do it with another fucking. It's gonna get nominated for best picture of the Oscars. That's gonna yeah. happen. It already got twelve nominations for BAFTA. It, this is gonna happen, but it's really come down. It's like you either love this movie or you hate it, and I hate this movie. I hate this movie too. Like there's there's everything that it wants to say is so. Like it's it's broken, first of all, mm-hmm. and then you get to the 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 really edgy climax yeah. where he basically just spells out what the movie wanted to say. Not only that, like, but he like says the it in elevator such a, pitch. Yeah, yeah not, not only not only that, but he says it in such a circular way. You start like, do you know what you're talking about? Yeah, like it gets to that it gets to that point. Yeah. It, it's funny because Tarantino talked about Ad Astro, which is on my top, which is one of my top ten films of the year. Mm. He didn't like it because he said, at a certain point, I don't know what's, ha- I don't know why anything is happening in this movie. They're mm. telling us why this is happening, but I don't know why it's happening. And I feel that way about the joke. I feel that way about Joker as well, where it's just yeah. like, listen, I understand you're trying to talk about mental illness, but one, you barely do it, and two, when you do do it, it's not saying anything. It's problematic too, it's a very, lot, very much so. Same thing like, oh, we got to kill the rich. It's like, listen, I understand what you're trying to say, but what you're doing. One, again, you're not saying anything. And two, what you're trying to say is so haphazardly done. Yeah. Especially... It, it undermines everything you're doing. Like, the whole... The Thomas Wayne character is... Okay, well, we could do a whole podcast on him. Yeah, and I don't want to. We, but no, it's it's don't. it's just so... Again, it's just like, what are you trying to say? Because this is such a bad matchup of Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy from Martin Scorsese. That's what mm-hmm. this movie's trying to be. Yeah. And it's... And, Quick digression. It's funny, like, the, the Hollywood Reporter director's roundtable, how Martin Scorsese was kind of sitting across from Todd Phillips and was like, I don't need to see the Joker. <laughs> so that's obvious. Can you imagine being Todd Phillips and sitting across from Scorsese and going, yeah, we're equals. Right. Can you imagine the gall? Of, like, come on. Um, I, there's, there's a, tr- like a, Laundry list of no, things I didn't like about this movie. The the biggest, not the biggest, but one of the most annoying, like like just someone poking me in the side with a sharp stick, mm-hmm. annoying aspects yeah. was every time they called this grungy '80s New York Gotham. Yeah, fuck you. It's not. It's Stop not calling like like. Yeah, oh, every time they did this, it's like oh yeah, but this is Gotham. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh right, this is technically a Batman. It's not. I mean, Batman's in it. <laughs> But he's fucking not. <laughs> I know. So the, the Joker's in it, but he's not. But the, same the Joker time. is not in no, this movie no. at all. 
Um, and people are like, well, it's an origin story. And I'm like, fucking where? Yeah. Of who? Of yeah, what? Uh, yeah, of who? That's right, a better question because not of the Joker. No. <laughs> I hate this movie. But when it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I will say this. Again, I, uh, I'll i get to the, well, I'll, I'll kind of step on this in, in a little bit, but I think Walking Phoenix is the, act, is the actor of the decade. And mm-hmm. a lot, for a large, for a number of reasons, which I'll get to later on, but, and his performance is good in this, but I think it's like mid-tier Phoenix. <laughs> We've seen, excuse me, forget like the general public, and I don't, I don't want to say that in a discouraging way, but forget what other people are going to say about this, like the general audiences, four quadrant, real people, whatever. Mm. It's astounding to me that actors are like, oh, this is Joaquin Phoenix, this is one of the best forms I've ever seen. It's like, did you see The Master? Did you see You Were Never Really Here just last year? No. Like... Because none of those movies made a billion dollars. No, well, no. But it's just like, how Like how are you sitting... Like, the guy did her. Like... Yeah. Where he fell in love with a voice. Yeah. Re- remarkably well and convincingly. And, and it's just like, what do we... What, like, I, I I feel like actors, for the most part, have like kind of bad taste when it comes to awards film. Like, you, you kind of see stuff that wins awards and people are voting for it. It's like... Oh, yeah. It's, I get it, whatever. But it's just like... Really? Well, Joker, really? Well, the thing, too, is, like, but if Jessica you actually... coming out, coming and say, like, oh, this is, like, the best performance I've ever seen in film. Like, you? Well, no, yeah, because really? the, the actors in Hollywood thing, that is that is kind of inexcusable how, you know, they're talking this movie up so much. Mm-hmm. When you're actors in Hollywood and you you should understand how derivative this movie is. And you you should, think so? And you should understand that, like, Joaquin Phoenix is a good actor because he's also an actor in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... You should just know, I guess. Like, you should, like, be watching films if you're an actor. Yeah. Um, but I, for, like, general audiences, it's, like, for... Um, I, I'm going to go out and say a majority of people who saw The Joker, this is the first time they've seen Walking Phoenix in a movie. That's... This is their, you know? That's not only disturbing to me, but... <laughs> no, it's one of those things where it's, like, we'll talk about, like, again... And again, because I have my head of cinema's ass 24-7, sometimes I need mm-hmm. to get out of my bubble and go, okay, this is what real people are talking about, that's fine. Right. So it feels like one of those things where like, you say something, I'm like, that can't be true, and then real life will tell me, no, that's how real people <laughs> then, feel. Like, and it's just like, the oh thousand yard stare kicks in, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit, this movie made a billion dollars, it's connected to the DC universe, oh fuck, this is so many people's first Joaquin Phoenix movie. And I'm just like, but, but again, it's like, he, he did The Immigrant. He did and it's her. also, it's and, like, again, like, and I, I don't, I don't want to like, keep crushing your soul, Toby, but a lot of people who saw this, like a majority of people who saw this movie, have not seen King of Comedy and have not seen Taxi Driver. No, I, I'm aware of that. So, so this is people. No, like, because it's funny because people, people, people ask me what you think of Joker. I was like, oh, it's, it's it's derivative, derivative what? And it's like, oh no. Do I, do I really want to get into Scorsese's filmography? I have to just, like you unfold a list that right, just keeps unfolding until right, right. it hits the ground. So, so yeah. So it's just it's just a number of things like that. Um, again, production design looks really good. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, let's move on because we yeah. could we could we could do like an hour and a half long autopsy of how bad this movie is, but Gwyneth probably already knows. I like to hope. I like to hope Gwyneth's not in like I like to think that the second someone's like this is a comic book movie, Gwyneth's brain just kind of switches to like, okay, but what else can I stick up my customers' vaginas? Like she stops thinking about the movie and just goes to like, but what about goop? What about my empire? Alright, so I wanna to get to my I I wanna to get to my list of 2019. Let's do it. So And while he's doing that, Gwyneth, in the comments, leave your top ten films of the of the twenty nineteen as well. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool to see. 
I'd love to just talk to Gwyneth about movies. I would too. Like, I know we started this off as kind of like a bit. Like, what are like, you watching? Like, like we hope we get the... What's in the queue? What's yeah, in the DVR? Yeah, like, just what do you... What do you when, when you're, you know, sitting down and writing articles for Goop. Yeah. When you're... When you're com- What's when in you're, the background? When you're sketching out the next, like, weird, like, orb that you're going to sell on your website, what, what background noise are you doing? So I have I have ten honorable mentions before I get ten into honorable mentions. Yeah, before I get to sixteen. Oh, so damn. honorable mentions: Book Smart by Olivia Wilde. I thought that was really fun. I was really, really smart. Again, right one on. of my best friends worked in that movie, so that was cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Dolomite yeah. is my name. Uh, Eddie Murphy's incredible in it. Wesley Snipes is he had me literally gasping for air, just dying. <laughs> He's so good in that movie. That's that's very high on my list to see. Four uh, v Ferrari, uh, just an old school movie star, meat and potatoes. Mm fun movie nice. and like the last 50 minutes are just about the race itself which is really fun to kind of delve into and just be in mm. uh, High Flying Bird by Steven Soderbergh a great basketball movie that has nothing to do with basketball that, it's a great basketball movie that does not show basketball which is really cool uh, Hustlers as we mentioned before Night right as we mentioned before The Last Black Man in San Francisco was really good mm. uh, The Mustang which is part of the um, angry man relational horse genre <laughs> which is exploding recently. wait okay now I'm, I'm really sorry we will continue down your list can you explain that genre the oh this is about math uh, math math of show knots. As a prison convict who starts, who this is like in the in the west somewhere. So he he goes into like the Bronco program where they break Broncos and they yeah. ride them for for shows. So he's a, he's this angry convict who, um, um, he's an angry convict who you know gets uh, attached to like this wild horse is just angry as him. So he kind of learns to kind of open himself up and be a better human being through this horse. And this is not the first movie that does that. <laughs> Because there's also The Writer, which is one of my favorite movies of this decade. And there's a Lean on Pete by Andrew Hall that did that oh, last yeah, year yeah. as well. So it, this is this is like the and third movie. What's what's the genre called? I called it the Angry Man Who Relates to a Horse Genre. <laughs> okay, so Gwyneth, sub-homework assignment. Your top five of all time Angry Men Who Relate to a Horse Dramas. Oh, I mean, listen, you, you go to Western, just, just you can just go through that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Mustang, which, yeah, I mentioned once right. upon time in Hollywood. And Wild Rose with Jesse Buckley, who's... My second official favorite person in the planet. So. And that's just your top ten honorable mentions. Right. I've heard of four or five of those. So, I have a top ten and I have five after that. So, this is on letterbox, But Apollo 11, that documentary, that just, mm. archival footage of yeah, just yeah, the yeah. Apollo 11 um, mission, is just remarkable to see. Like, again, even even after watching First Man, which, again, is a Damien Chazelle movie I actually love, hmm. Apollo 11 is just... This is it's just awe-inspiring how this happened. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, it's all archival footage. So it's just, it's all just stuff like, you see the crowds gather, you see the astronauts get ready, you see them going to, it's everything, just everything of it. It's just remarkable. Awesome. Jordan Peele's Us, number 15. Ah, yep, there we go. Saw it three times, uh, saw it myself, saw it, took it to you watch it, took my yep. nephew to watch it, everyone loved it. It's, I think it's messier than Get Out. Yeah. I don't think it works as organically or cohesively as Get Out, but it's not I, as like, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's kind of his, he's kind of doing, he's trying to trying to do like a shiny where it's like I'm gonna pack so much stuff in this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it so many times to get out of it to watch to get so many things out of it. Yeah, there's a lot more symbolism, like hidden symbolism in right. here as opposed to get out. Right. Um, the Pete Nyong's performance is remarkable. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's just one of the best of the year. Remarkable. Yeah. Again, hopefully by the time you hear this, maybe we should get a nomination for it. Yeah, fingers crossed, we'll, Gwyneth. We'll, we'll 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 hopefully see. Um, the two popes with um, oh yeah, um, Jonathan Price. Anthony Hopkins, directed by Fernando Morales, who directed one of my one of the films that kind of shaped me in God, City of God. Mm. I was not expecting this movie to be as good as it was. Mm. This movie's doing moves I wasn't expecting at all. Oh damn! Um, 
flashbacks, um, uh, black and white footage, j- just doing a lot of things on a aesthetic level I was not expecting. I was kind of blown away by it. Nice. Um, again, I can't. I honestly can't recommend it enough. Like you, I didn't think the two. Po- I thought it'd just be like you know. Francis the Benedict, Pope Francis the Benedict, kind of talking back here, kind of going back and forth. Right, like your typical, like, kind of, like, drama. Right, almost, know. I don't want to say, like, my dinner with Andre with Popes, but almost kind of like that. <laughs> but, no, this movie kind of really goes deep in the bench as far as, like, who these men are mm. and what roles they have to play and what religion means to them and what religion means to you as well. It's, it's really fascinating. Again, I was not expecting that from this movie. Yeah, I've heard, that's, that's, that's one I've heard of. Again, it's on Netflix. That. You can watch it now. Um, A Hidden Life by Terrence Malick. Yes, uh, again, I'm I I I love Terrence Malick. He's one of my favorite directors ever. I love the late period Terrence Malick, where he's kind of not doing story. He's not doing plot. He's just kind of maybe doing a little too much twirling around for his own good. <laughs> but I love what he's doing. This has more of a plot. This is about a, a uh, an object, a conscious objector of the Nazi party. He, he's mm. a farmer. He doesn't want a farmer from Austria. He does not want to be in the Nazi party, and they kill him for it. They take him. To, they take him to trial. They take him to jail. And they and they and they, and they uh, execute him for it. Damn. And it's actually uh, the main character is actually the um, the captain from Inglorious Bastards that kills Michael Fassbender. Oh shit! It's a really good performance, and and is, I, I I unfortunately know her name, but his wife is really good as well. But it's just really cool to kind of see Malik not only play with plot and story again, mm. but just how gorgeous this film is. Again, talking about again, it was almost like Twelve Years a Slave. How beautiful something is on something that's so evil, and then kind of yeah. rectifying what that evil is. Again, something kind of really topical in America today. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, number 12, The Farewell. Uh, Lulu Wings, The Farewell. So, yeah. god damn good. Uh, as of this recording, Aquafina won the Globe. Yeah, she won the Globe. Hopefully it'll be more. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, because she's amazing in it. Um, Zhu Shaixing, who plays the, um, I think I said it right, but who plays the grandmother, she's aces in it mm. but Aquafina's amazing in this movie the writing is so good the directing is really just kind of it's subtle but it's so powerful at the same time mm. it's really good again I can't recommend this enough really kind of brings the house down towards the end too jeez um, I just saw again as we recorded I just saw this last night uh, Sam Mendes' 1917 the war movie that's uh, that's made to look like all in one shot oh yeah yeah World War One. I. I remember midway through I was like do I love a Sam Mendes movie what the fuck's going <laughs> on I hate Sam Mendes' movies but 1917 works on almost every level possible wow um and Roger Deakins is like this is god tier mode stuff from him like his cinematography is mm. like again forget I mean not only the fact that the movie is made to look like all one take mm. um, which has been done which know, has been done plenty of times but yeah sure plenty of times I mean throughout the course of history yeah. but this is it, it's done really well in this I just, because at the beginning I was like okay where are the, where are the, where are the shots at where are the scenes at and then like midway through I just was enraptured by the movie so I stopped counting I stopped looking for the oh, scenes good. Um, did its job. It did its job. <laughs> and good lord, like he's going, like he's going for like sixty points in the garden at this. Like he's, he's <laughs> it's remarkable what he's doing, man. It's 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 it's, it's insane. He's That's gonna win, good to hear. You, you know, you like he's going to win the Oscar again. It's, you, it's great to see. You like success stories like that, you know? You know, and like they've really been the logistical and technical. Um, um, hardships of this movie they really kind of hammered his home and was like oh no Deacon should get another Oscar for this let's get mm. the second one in a row um, but no it, it's it's better than even advertised so damn um, number 10 the official number 10 um, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale uh, she did The Babadook this is her next movie after this mm. um, this might be the most brutal movie I've seen in a long time it's about a Irish it's, 19, it's set in the 19, 1860s Australia it's about an Irish convict woman um, 
who is raped repeatedly by the captain of the area she's she lives in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the captain, his first mate, and another young man, they kill her husband, kill the baby, and they go off to get a post up north. And the woman on a trail of revenge hires a black uh, abori- uh, 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 abor- uh, Australian Aboriginal to guide her way, and a lot of violence happens from there. And it might be it has two of my favorite things. I love uh, two of my favorite talking points in life. One, don't trust white women; just don't. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, it's a black man in America. That that was kind of given to me as I was born. <laughs> um, that was like one of the first things that was kind of told to me. And two. The British Empire is one of the, uh, has committed the worst atrocities in human history. Yes, that is true. I hate the British Empire with a passion. I love talking about how much I hate them. <laughs> so this movie really, is really kind of t- that's taxed in the movie, yeah. um, because at one point the black guy and the woman, the white woman, that they're, they're they get. I mean, they start off as you know how movies work. They start off as separate eyes and get closer together through all the hardships they go through. Right. But the black guy just rants about like how much he hates white people and all this stuff. Like you people, you English people did this in my country, and she's like, I am not English. Don't you fucking say that. Again. I am Irish. <laughs> And it's like, what's the difference? Like, he's black. He doesn't, oh, white people look the same to him, whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. It took me a while to figure out the difference. Right. Like, I'm, no. I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at a certain point, Irish people weren't white, and then they were. Look, we all look the same, right? right? Let's be honest with no, ourselves. It's just funny how textual this is like, um, how the British Empire has ruined these people's lives. Yeah. And again, this there's so much raving in this movie. It's, 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 it's grotesque. But it's interesting to kind of see from a woman's perspective. Mm. From a woman director and writer's perspective, so yeah, I was anticipating this movie for such a long time because again, I love Jennifer Kent, I love her, I love what she did in the Babadook, and I, this movie mm-hmm. really kind of gripped me. So again, I don't know if I can even watch it again, but god damn, it's so good. But um, Atlantics, Jeez. um, from Senegal by I'm gonna say her name wrong by um, uh, Matty Diop, Matty Diop. Uh, this actually won the Grand Prix Award at Cannes. This is the first film to do that by a black woman to win an award oh, at Cannes. Nice. Um, it is about a young woman in Senegal. Her boy, she's she's um, she's an arranged marriage, but she she loves this one um, construction worker who a bunch of construction workers they go out and see and they, and they disappear, they vanish, they they, they get lost at sea. Mm. Uh, but their ghosts come back and inhabit their girlfriend's bodies to demand the money that they're owed to them. Or they'll burn down the tower that they've been working on. And this movie goes places. I'm this movie goes in- invested at that again, spark it, note synopsis. Again, it's on Netflix. It's amazing. This movie is. It does ghosts in a fascinating, haunting way. Um, is it a, a horror or a thriller or a drama or it's like, a drama? It's a. Th- it's all those things, but it's mostly a drama. Okay. Um, I've never even heard of this. this is yeah, incredible. again, yeah, I don't, again, I don't know how many, I don't know how many people in America have heard of this movie, but again, it's on Netflix. Critics have been raving about it for all for all year. Um, the performance is really good, and it really gives a really good, uh, a really good semblance of what African society is, which is really cool to see. Mm. And as a whole, I mean, this is South, this is Senegal, but still as a whole. Um, yet the end is just, I'm still thinking of the ending. I saw this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two three weeks ago now, and it's, and it's haunting what this ending does. It's, Jeez. excuse me, it's it's. Yeah, again, it might be one of the best ghost stories I've seen in a long time. Um, so that's number nine, uh, Waves, by Trey Edward Schultz. Um, he's the guy who did um, It Comes at Night. Oh, okay. And I was kind of, tr- I was kind of on the fence of watching Waves because that was kind of a forgettable, yeah, like flash in the pan kind of like, eh. yeah. But I read, I've heard a couple podcasts, I read about the movies, like, oh god, I got nothing to I'll watch Waves, and. If, from the first five minutes, I'm like, I fucking love this movie. Nice. Like the move, the camera doesn't stop moving. It's so vibrant with the colors mm. and the uh, 
the scheming and the the music. Dude, I was bumping in the theater. Like the, <laughs> this, the way he uses like Kanye West's music and mm-hmm. just music in general is like, oh shit, this is this is invigorating. This he knows is like what's up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a club, but it's like. And talk about Edward Schultz talking um, about the script. He's talked about like how he had um, he had like music in the script. He had it written out. He had like colors in it. Like it's just fascinating Damn. in those regards. Yeah. Okay. But it's basically about uh, Sterling K. Brown plays the father of a young man who's a who's a wrestler. He has a young girlfriend. His life is kind of going on the up and up, um, but then he has a shoulder injury that gets him off wrestling. He his girlfriend gets pregnant and he is at odds of, of if she should keep it if she should not and things go disastrously from there mm-hmm. and then after a while it follows his little sister who's trying to f- un- who's trying to deal with the fall of all that as well. Um, it's a white director doing a black story and it's done really well. Um, just a gripping take of how again you want to, we talk about Paris we talk about what kind of gems but how things can be how lives and families can be destroyed from just one thing. Yeah. Um, and it does this on a very, I think at a very emotional level, very gripping level, very um, subjective level, which I found very fascinating to kind of sit through. Okay. Yeah, again, I can't recommend Shit. Williams enough. I really loved it. Um, number seven, Uncut Gems, we mentioned before. Again, Fantastic. I think this is my favorite out of sound performance. Oh yeah, by far. Again, any other, this decade has been shitty for best actor. Like, I can, like mm. I'm, I'm not going to do the whole Song and Dance, because I've done it before so many times other places, and in person, whatever, but any of the year, Adam Sandler will probably be a shoo-in for, to be nominated, probably win Best Actor. Probably, yeah. He's probably going to be nominated at this point, yeah. but he's so good in this movie. Yeah. He creates this character from, like, the feet up, and, like, the way he moves, the way he talks, the way he looks. The way he, yeah, it, just the look, It's so even. different from what you see from Adam Sandler in general. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's and again, both of us are on the on the same page of Adam Sandler is a good actor if he's given good stuff to work with. Right. And so the, the idea of people like, this is an Adam Sandler movie? I didn't know he could act. It's like, right. well, yeah, because you you only watch Adam Sandler movies. You don't watch, like, movies Adam Sandler is in. Right, like, how many people, like, again, like you mentioned, how many people have watched, like, those movies that Walking Phoenix has been, how many people have watched, like, Punch Drunk Love? Right, exactly. Or The Meyerowitz Stories, or Rain Over Me, or, uh, listen, no, no one should watch The Cobbler, but how many people watch The Cobbler? Oh, no, The Cobbler. Remember that? Remember that old uh, chestnut? I try not to. Yeah, I try not to either. Mm. But, um, Ad Astra, James Gray's Ad Astra, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, plays an astronaut in space that is looking, trying to get his father back, who's played by Tom Lee Jones. It's basically Apocalypse Now in space, which, again, <laughs> you want to sell me anything, there, there's... No, that's I, good. I mean, that's I mean, a good pitch. I'm in already. And I keep telling people this, but, it, like, Brad Pitt's character is basically me, which is really interesting, just how uh, how he deals with isola- how he deals with being isolated and how he deals with people, how he deals with, like, trying to do the right thing, but, it, you know, you get in the way of yourself. It's really fat. It's really weird at that point of view. I'm like, mm. Yeah, I remember you. I remember you, know, you telling me that, and being like, to, I wasn't supposed to watch a biography about myself today. But right, okay. yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing that sold space, me on cool. the movie. Is like, uh, Brad Pitt plays me in space, yeah. and I'm like, oh, you start with that, <laughs> <laughs> you lead in with that, so I can watch a, a, a Toby Ogunyemi biopic in which he's played by Brad Pitt. I love Brad Pitt in this movie. It, it's God, he's so good. This might be one of his best performances, and I don't say that lightly because I love Brad Pitt as an actor. Great actor. Uh, number five, Little Women. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Love this movie. Very excited um, to see as, it. As I think maybe ten minutes in, Timothy Chalamet and Sir Ronan are dancing out in the uh, balcony, or not in the balcony, but the out around the house where the major party is in. And I was mm-hmm. like, I could watch it for two hours. Oh yeah, I, I could watch those. I could watch these kids watch dance for two hours. <laughs> I love that. Um... I mean, I'm Greta Gerwig. I, I, I think Lady Bird's a perfect movie. I know how decisive that movie has been, has become lately. 
I love I love Little Women. I love how she just kind of envel- creates this world and just kind of sinks you into it, and you mm. just feel so at home. Yeah. Um, Laura Dern is great in it. I'm gonna say the cast is, is killer. Uh, Chris Cooper is he might be the best thing in this movie. Oh damn! And uh, listen, Chris Cooper, Oscar winner, he's an all timer. But God, he's so good in this movie. Like I I didn't, wasn't expecting to be this good. Timmy Chalamet is good in it. Florence Pugh might get nominated for this. I hope she is. She's, oh, nice. she's so great in it. Sister Rona's great in this. Like the costume is good. The writing is on point. Like it's it's great across the board. Yeah, Alexander Desplat's score in it is really good. This might be one of his best scores, honestly. Okay. Um, it's so good. It's just it's such <laughs> it's such an enveloping movie. I had so much fun watching this. Number four, Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir. Um, she is kind of an up and comer in Britain. This is the first time I've seen one of her movies. I've kind of heard she's one of the she's one of those directors overseas. I've heard a little bit about like who's this person. Mm. more about them and then I finally see one of the movies like the first time I saw this nodded off a couple times looked good but didn't really catch me second time I was like oh no this is like surgery this is like the way this movie is operating how precise how precise it is mm. I can't remember a movie I've seen like this is so every note every frame is exactly where the director wants nice. it to be and it's remarkable it stars um Honor Swinton Byrne who is Tilda Swinton's daughter and Tilda Swinton plays her mom in the movie. Hmm. Um, Honor looks exactly like T- uh, Tilda. It's almost baffling. It's almost like... Oh, there's two of them now. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, one, yes, please. <laughs> and two is just like, wait. So which one's the, the mom? Right, it, it's, it's startling. And then um, uh, Tom Burke plays her boyfriend. It's basically, it's an autobiographical, uh, autobiographical film about Joanna Hogg, who the young girl, uh, Claire, I think her name is? Sure. She's British, it's probably Claire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not wrong, people. Um, Clay. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, she plays a young woman who's going to film school in the 80s. Mm-hmm. She um, starts up a relationship with this young man who's in the government. He's like this posh, wears a suit, like kind of opens up her world to so many other things. He's a crippling heroin addict. Um, and then... 80s, Britain, seems right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're products of our environment. What can yeah, you say? Yeah, you know. Um... And then the relationship kind of takes a turn from there to see like what it what it is, um, not only how not only not only what happens when you when you're in love for the first time you're first raised raised relationship, but what happens when that person's not good for you eventually? Okay. What do you do from that point? Yeah, and it's kind of small in those regards, but it, it's 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 almost epic in scope of what of what those feelings are. You introduce him to family, you, you see his family, you meet his friends, you kind of envelop yourself with this person in their other life. So what happens when it's like, oh no, this isn't going to work. And that's actually no small feat, taking such no. an intimate story and making it feel epic, because when you're in it, mm-hmm. you know, those feelings do feel all-encompassing. Right. So, you and know, getting an love... audience to care about it is impressive. Yeah, and that's what I love about... Um... Alfonso Cuaron, he's able to do that so well, mm. and um, he's able to take like again, like anything from like this is uh, a housekeeper of a rich family in Mexico to two kids and an older woman trying to find a beach in Mexico, or um, hell, the Harry Potter movie. That everyone says is good that he did. It's like he's <laughs> able to make these small things and make them grand. Yeah, such as large canvas, and that's what I love about. It. That's what I love about the souvenir as well. That's number four. Number three for me is the Irishman, Scorsese. I mean. Three and a half hours, it zoomed by. In the th- I, I, as a real man, I saw this in the theaters, not on Netflix. <laughs> God damn it! Um, 
None of this beating around the bush, lazy ass. No, no. Nah. Put some clothes on and go to the theater. I put my shoes on one at a time, and I saw the Irishman in theaters. No, but like this is this is one of Scorsese's best. It's very interesting. Like it's almost a conversation of the stuff he's done before. I was gonna say I heard that it's very reflective, and it's kind of him reflecting on his career. Right, 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 right. Very reflective, very ruminative. It's it's almost like what happens, the choices you make in life, mm. and when you get to the end of your life, you realize you're not worth it. Yeah. How does that feel? And Scorsese has talked about this a lot, where he's just like, I made this movie so I can be, so I can have a better conversation of, of myself about, I I wanted to make this movie because I wanted to have a better conversation about myself in regards to death, which is very fascinating. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's 77. Yeah, he's, yeah getting, he's getting he's, up there. He's getting up there. He's still making films. He's already planned his next one, which is great. He's probably going to get nice. nominated for this as well, which is great. But yeah, it's, it's getting it's getting closer to the end of the beginning, and and not only that, but you know when you bring back De Niro, you, you get Joe Pesci out of retirement again. This is Joe Pesci's best performance, nice, which I don't say lightly. Getting him out of retirement is a feat no itself, either. and then yeah. to see him do this yeah. is just like the, he he's so menacing. He's like, and he barely moves. Like he knows he doesn't have to. That's how much power yeah. he knows he has. Yeah, and then Al Pacino, this is incredible. He does as well. Um, Again, I could watch. I could watch two hours of Al Pacino's eating ice cream. I, I, I mean, yeah. Please, please. I'll I'll take that so cut. Let's, let's yeah. Let's find that super cut. Yeah, Robert De Niro. Just he's a, he's he's amazing in this. He's kind of a passive character, but what he does within that passivity is so great. Mm. Um, no, yeah, it's an interesting conversation Chris he's having as far as like, yeah, yeah. It's like what happens towards the end of our life. Like, is is everything I've done worth it? Is everything I've mm. done that I say is for the best of my family or? That you know, I'm a soldier, or in, in the army, Frank Sheeran is a soldier in the army, and then for the for the uh, Pennsylvania Mafia, where it's just like I get told what to do, I get rewarded. That's life. What mm. happens when the rewards aren't worth it? What happens when yeah. you're the only one there? And this is like, there's a scene at the end where um, where some FBI agents are trying to tell, trying to get like, okay, what happened to uh, Jimmy Hoffa? And Frank Sheeran's still not saying it, and he's like, listen, man, everyone's dead. You're the only one here. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You can tell us, like no one, and then he, and then De Niro just kind of wheels away, and it's just like, again, like what happens when we get to the end of our life? Is it still important to us, or is it important at all? Damn, I mean, yeah, and it's it's very kind of illuminating from those regards. Uh, quick question, yes, about Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Do we know if he's still doing Devil in the White City? Um, H. H. Holmes. I don't know. I know because he's doing uh, Killers of. No, Flowers of the Killer Moon, sorry. Okay. Um, the CIA movie about a massacre in Oklahoma. He's doing mm-hmm. that next. Devil in the White City. I know Di- DiCaprio's still doing it. I think Scorsese's producing it. I don't know if he's directing it. Okay. And I don't know if it's going to be a movie or a series. Either way, I'm stoked. Yeah. I love that story. It's so fucked up. Yeah, that was the one that was kind of like the... Um, that kind of got hot when podcasts started talking about it. Yeah. Um, And everyone, yeah, everyone found like H.H. H. Holmes, that whole story, and... De Niro, the character's had a lot of things on his plate coming up soon. Like he's he's trying to he's been trying to play Teddy Roosevelt for a long time as well. So who knows <laughs> if that he's what? do that? Um, AJ Holmes as well. This next movie's doing Scorsese, so he's got a lot to do. So we'll see. Teddy Roosevelt, yeah. Huh. Again, who knows if that's going to happen? But that's been on his that's been on his plate for like a long time now. Hmm. Number two, uh, Pain and Glory, Pedro Almodovar's latest film, starring Antonio Banderas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I've heard of this one. Yeah, about a um... that's 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 my role on this podcast now. But I... <laughs> oh hey, <laughs> I've heard of that title. Every um, once in a while, I go mm-hmm. <laughs> again. Another autobiographical film about a director, kind of looking back at their life. Mm. Um, this is the third movie in a row that does this. But um... do you have a type, Toby? 
Really good directors, yes. Oh, okay, there do, you do, go. Do those good directors answer. have a type? Solid answer. Yeah, do those directors <laughs> have a type? It looks like they do. But this is... This, Antonio Banderas is basically playing Pedro Almodovar, who is an old director, older director, who's having director's block. So, again, heroin. He does heroin. Uh, heroin. A lot. 2019 heroin, I don't know. You know, man? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we all, need, we all need to get through the day somehow. Either you, uh, you turn out a bestseller like Stephen King, or uh, you, you get director's block like everyone else. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, he starts doing heroin... With another actor, and he kind of starts ruminating on on his childhood and his past life and his mom, uh, played by Penelope Cruz and everything like that. Mm. And he starts looking back at his childhood and what and what and just kind of looking back in his life. Um, for no personal reasons, the movie always made me cry openly in theaters. Mm. I love Pedro Almodovar. Um, he's one of my favorite directors working. This is uh, this is a crown jewel performance by Antonio Banderas. Nice, easy one of his best things that he's done. One of the best performances of the year. Oh, wow. um, again, fingers crossed for. By the time you hear this, that he'll he'll be nominated for it. But um, no, it's just it's so emotional. It's so impactful the way that uh, Emma Dovar has able has able to done throughout his entire career. And it's cool to see because Banderas and Emma Dovar made so many films together in the past. So it's cool to see them kind of they've done a couple films together. The Skin I Live In. I think there's another movie they've done recently. But it's just cool to kind of see the two of them work on this level together again mm. and again yeah it's, it's 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 again it's one of favorite directors it's working at a high level it's really cool to see you love to see it nice number one Parasite it's the best movie of the year yeah there we go it's the best movie of the year there's, it's, it's, it's almost like Moonlight where it's like yeah it's the best movie of the year it's like what, there's nothing to say right, it's like Parasite's up here and then right. like a couple feet down right, right, right. here's like the rest of the yeah, contenders yeah then you kind of go from there but no it's, it's, it's Parasite's the best movie of the year it's, it's yeah it's so meticulously made. It, it, it's able to jo- it's able to juggle tone and genre in a way that yeah, so many directors can't do. But try anyway. And Jojo like, Rabbit, excuse me. Mm, um, haven't seen it. No offense, taking away TV. Um, oh yeah, no, he's he's a national treasure. No, he's well international. Treasure? I, gonna, I mean, for New Zealand, I'm sure he's he's national. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably on their he's probably on their money. By right, now. right. But but this 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 works in tones. And scope and scale and text that is just like, I can't even, like, there's not a movie that comes close to working in those regards this year. And Bong Joon-ho has been working kind of steadily up towards this for a while now. You're talking about Memories of Murder, The Host, Oak Judge, Snowpiercer, and then he does Mm. this, and it's like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. This is another level. And again, this is the first South Korean film, I think this is the first Asian film, if I remember correctly, to win the Palm d'Or can. Which oh, is wow. wild to me, because considering how good, it's almost cliche to say it at this point, but how good South Korea film cinema has been for the past decade and change. Yeah, no, it's it's a step above, for sure. Yeah, and it's great to see that people are kind of, people around, I guess, bodies, international bodies around the world are kind of like, oh no, we kind of have to give South Korea to We need to now. start acknowledging how great these South Korean films are. Right, right, are. right, yeah. So it's kind of cool to see that for Parasite, and Hollywood loves Parasite as well. So, yeah. as I mentioned, we talked about Parasite at the, at the top of the show, so... Again, it's the best movie of the year. That's all I can say. Good. But you know what, Toby? For that, that was a good. That, that was almost a Willem Dafoe esque monologue. <laughs> Hark! <laughs> Go see Parasite. <laughs> Hark! Don't do heroin. Uh... <laughs> I'm just picturing so many people in 1980s Britain, like that version of Willem Dafoe runs up to him and goes, Hark! Stop doing heroin! They're just like, okay! He's <laughs> like, shit! Got the, got the, got the, the lighter in the pen, uh, uh, the spoon, I was like, alright, alright! All right, whoa, okay. Yeah, take it easy. And um, that's when I turn my life around, kids. Yeah. <laughs>
So that's it for now? I think that's it for now. Okay. Um, next episode, Gwen. Can I call you Gwen? I'm, gonna, I'm going to. Um, we're going to start talking about, we're going to start breaking down the best of the decade. Coming up next. That was good stuff on uh, 2019. Coming up next. Steve and Toby go through 2019, and you won't believe which Paul Thomas Anderson movie is number one on the list. <laughs> the answer may shock you. The answer may shock you. Maybe all of them. It, it very, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, because that's, that, you know, we, we both have our lists of the decade. Yeah. Uh, we're going to tr- kind of try to streamline it a little bit. Because um, on the agenda, we want to do best of the decade, not only for just like live action films, just films in general. But mm. We're also going to look at animated, uh, animated films, which I know you'll take the charge on that. Very excited um, about that. Um, I posted then, that a while ago. And then TV and then comic books as well. Yes, because there's this has been a great decade all like across the board. Yeah. For these different creative mediums. Yeah. For, and uh, yeah, pop culture. We should probably do pop culture as well. Honestly, yeah, because it's been it's been a fucking roller coaster. Yeah, it is. Um, both for good and bad. Yeah. But uh, I think the good outweighs the bad in terms of pop culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's something that's going to be. That's what we're working on next, Gwyneth. Hey, I know you're on the edge of your seat. I know you're on pins and needles to hear what we have to say about this. Probably little literal pins, depending. Honestly, yeah, like three thousand dollar crystal pins that you're selling (laughs) to get rid of the negative energy in your feet. But you gotta wait, man. You gotta. we're, We're gonna make Gwyneth wait, but not long. I promise. All right, that was good stuff on the. We hope Gwyneth is listening podcast coming up next. The boys talk about jade eggs, and you might be shocked where they go. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I'm not sure what else, like, a jade egg in our culture could possibly be used for. Right. Oh, boy, Gwyneth, never change. <laughs>